0: Hey, deserving listeners, today's episode is about the new show on Netflix called Unbelievable. In this episode, we're going to talk about the first episode mainly, because that's what I'm mainly concerned about. We might spoil the rest of the season, kind of, but Umberto is here with us, and he's only seen the first episode, and I also don't want to spoil it for people out there, because it is an interesting story. And mainly, psychologically and clinically, what I'm interested in is talking about the first episode, which isn't a spoiler at all to to hear about that prior to seeing the episode, in my view. In this episode, we're going to be talking about rape and sexual assault. And if you are triggered by such things, then I would proceed extremely cautiously. We're not going to be talking about um, graphic details, because that's not the sort of show this is, but it's probably going to dip a little bit into that. So just be really careful about that. Unbelievable is one of the hit TV shows that Netflix has put forth. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 97%. If you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend it. It sounds like a downer. It sounds like a hard watch. But it actually is extremely interesting, very compelling TV. And the episode has eight episodes, each about 45 minutes long. And it's one of those bingeable things like... Stranger Things, where right. you get to the end of the episode, and you just can't wait to watch the next episode. you got to find out what happens. It's going to be one of those shows that's going to get um, Emmys, I'm guessing, because it's a TV yeah. show. Next year around, it'll definitely be uh, nominated. And so it's, it's just going to be one of those shows, and I highly recommend watching it. And um, we're going to talk about it on this show because it puts forth ideas that I've never seen depicted in a movie or a TV show before, something that is uh, a big, big problem in our society and other societies, too, and something that our special guest on the show knows all too well. Christy, welcome to the show. Thank you. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk I'm a therapist and a professor. Who are you, Umberto?
1: My name is Umberto Castaneda, and I design uh, widgets mostly used on airplanes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and Christy, introduce yourself to Podcast Land. People know this you because you've yes, been on the podcast before. I
2: so want to make up a occupation. Make up? <laughs> what are you
0: talking about? That's strange. Make up. What do you I don't
2: mean? Yeah, so, yeah. I don't know. Fabulous waffle have. maker. Um, no, I'm a therapist and a uh, couple and family therapist. I went to school and uh, studied under Kirk and big fan of the podcast of both Kirk and Umberto. been oh. listening for a long time, so...
1: We've, we've known you for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, you've been on the
0: show a number of times. Most recently, you did the schema therapy episode, and a lot of people liked that because they heard your schemas and your inner teenager that you <laughs> allowed to come out. His, his name is Kevin. A lot of people responded to that. Yeah. You've been on many other episodes in the past, to my memory. So let's get into this. Unbelievable. Cool. Again, we're gonna spoil at least the first episode, maybe a little bit the, the the more uh episodes later. So if you're really concerned about spoilers, watch it's it's infinitely bingeable. Yeah. Uh, me and my wife Stacy, we binged episodes three through eight last night. Just tell me, is it aliens?
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay.
0: Um and and but even I think with it was that,
2: zombies. Even In with purgatory?
0: The, <laughs> even with the yeah. It was purgatory the whole time. What a wonderful plot. Um, the, uh, the show is about a real story that was local mm-hmm. that I'm wondering if I was even connected to because I've mm. supervised many therapists who worked in Linwood
3: because
0: mm. Linwood's not that far from here. I've always lived in North Seattle. We're pretty close to the Linwood border. Um, at Antioch I've supervised people and so mm. I actually looked it up I'm not connected to this case okay. if I was
1: I wouldn't be talking about right. it mm. you, you know uh, when the show was starting because I, uh, I think what happened is I saw the advertisement on Netflix no idea what it was about didn't know it was based on anything and I clicked and I watched that first episode and as the episode was playing I kept hearing Snohomish Hospital whatever and I'm like oh that's funny and then, then it's obvious I'm like oh wait a minute that's here. Yeah. It was a trip. Yeah, the whole time just incidentally
0: I was watching it and there's they're like Linwood the Police Department, Linwood right. Mall or something. And I was skeptical because a lot of times they'll slap some other label meanwhile they're shooting it in Northern California or right. something. And I got that kind of vibe at times like but anyway, so let's get into <laughs> it. Starring Tony Collette And uh, Merritt Weaver and the lovely Caitlin uh, Deaver, who played the main character, Marie Adler, she, if you don't remember, she was in Booksmart, which is one of the best movies of the year as well. So I'm just going to briefly summarize the case, um, and I'm going to try not to spoil things. And then what I want to do is I'm going to throw to Christy because Christy went through what I understand to be – a almost identical situation to, ma- to ma- the main character Marie went through mm-hmm. and also what so many other women have, and men have gone through. Meaning you just imagine random things that make them up.
2: Right, exactly. And people, basically. Absolutely. Okay, so, like they all do. Yeah.
0: So the first episode <clears throat> is mainly about Marie Adler. And she, is, she actually commented after seeing the, the show. Mm. And uh, she's alive today. She's 29 years old. She thought the show was excellent. Good. And she's now married with two kids, and she's a long haul trucker. Oh, she Whoa. she drives an eighteen wheeler across the country.
3: Hardcore.
0: Nice. Yeah, so she's she's doing well, and she has an interesting job. So this is um, about a uh, a serial rapist mm-hmm. who uh, committed a, <clears throat> a number, probably you know at least a couple dozen rapes in around Seattle area and in the Denver area. And he, uh, Mark O'Leary, Army veteran, started raping around the age of 30 years old. Um, he knew the police procedures. He had this book that allowed him to understand how police procedures operated, and he would uh, design his crimes uh, around uh, the, the, the weaknesses of forensics in the police department. So, he was very concerned with DNA and with hair and with, you know, witnesses and that sort of thing. And after he was caught, spoiler alert, um, he told police that he had fantasized about rape since he was a child. Mm. And he was trying to recreate, get this, the way Jabba the Hutt chained up Princess Leia.
3: Wow. Mm.
0: And uh, those computer files that are at the end of the series have still not been decrypted, by
3: the way. Oh, wow. So,
0: anyway... Um, so, 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 so the first episode, <clears throat> go ahead, Burrow.
1: Oh, I was going to say, it's very interesting to me because the, the fact is that if you are, you know, in my mind, if I was imagining, hey, Berto, describe to me what you think is a stereotypical rape or something. I, I, am, I might naively or whatever, my, my impression might be, oh, it's like late at night in some alley next to a bar. And then there's lots of alcohol involved. And, you know, something like that. Well, certainly mm-hmm.
0: that's a profile.
1: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But I would generally not imagine, oh, well, you know, someone's going to break in to a house with a full suit on and do a whole bunch of almost surgical maneuver. Like, that's not the first thing that would come to mind.
0: Yeah. But that's also certainly a profile. Right. Another common profile is date rapes. You right. know? And the people, most people common that,
2: profile is an acquaintance.
0: Yeah. Mm, Someone, actually. a friend. Uh, Which makes it a
2: little bit hard sometimes, too, when there's an acquaintance, when there's acquaintance rape or someone, you know, if our culture has this concept like you that like, oh, they're going to jump out of the bushes or some alley or some random stranger. It makes it harder to prosecute when it's like, oh, but you knew the person. Because our cultural concept of what it looks like is this boogeyman that jumps out and gets you, and of course there are these guys like this too that are serial and go into people's homes and continue it.
1: Yeah, especially if it was like the boyfriend or the ex-boyfriend, right? Makes it more complicated. Or your your
2: husband, (laughs) yeah,
1: right, or your
3: wife,
0: right? We got to be be clear that uh, men and. Uh, are victims of rape, and also women are perpetrators to both men and women, so Marie Adler uh, was the first victim, and uh, she it's the show starts off first episode that she she 's raped and she goes to the police the police show up, mm-hmm. they do the investigation and what we see is a correct me if i 'm wrong an accurate depiction of what a, a typical police response to a rape uh, that would be and the interesting thing that really sets um, unbelievable apart from the billions of other procedurals you Mm -hmm. know NCIS and law and order is that this is you know a hundred percent from the victim's point of view Mm -hmm. which is a brand new way of telling a story we've all seen Mm -hmm. law and order you know but it's always told from the police police and the prosecutor.
1: The the viewer only knows what the the police and the Right. Yeah. It knows. Generally. Right. Yeah. Right.
0: And right. sometimes there's some dip into empathy for the victim, for sure. Right. But this one, you're in her shoes. Yeah. And that first that first episode, you're walked through step by step, and you just get this sense of mm-hmm. how violating, mm-hmm. unintentionally, mm-hmm. the system is oh, it's terrible. to a person who was victimized
1: in this way. That, so, that by, by the way, that was. Definitely hard to watch. And mm. I was so upset watching it. I'm like, this can't be real. Mm. This can't be how you are treated when this happens. Right. And just like, to br- give a brief summary, the police show
0: up because mm-hmm. they're investigating a crime. Mm-hmm. And then they start a- ask, asking questions of the victim. Mm-hmm. There's no care towards the emotional state of the victim. There's no... How are you? There's no, would you like a glass of water? Right. How are you feeling right now? Take Mm -hmm. your time. It's just, give me the facts, ma'am. Right. The the way you would if you showed up to ask someone about a car theft or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's just this complete ignorance of trauma and of what... Is the mm-hmm. typical state of a victim after that. And then as inconsistencies start to crop up in her story, which is totally natural,
3: mm-hmm. uh,
0: there's a, a confrontation like, hey, uh, y- you have some inconsistencies in your story. Well, what's the chance that you're going to remember every fucking detail about something? She, she was woken up. by the assault. Right. Um, And it all happens so fast. Plus, she's 18 years old.
3: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: But even if you're 70. And they're having her tell it over and over again and then write it. And then it's like, by the way, you don't write the same way that you talk ever. Period. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like her state, they do a really good job in the show of this too. (laughs) They're so good at unintentionally gaslighting her that Mm. you can tell her actually start, she's like, well, I, I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure this happened to me. Like, right. what the yeah. hell? You now, know? Yeah.
0: now, a trauma-informed yeah. <laughs> or a, a rape victim-informed uh, police officer, mm-hmm. like the woman that we yes. see later, she's like, take your time. It's okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sometimes sometimes you forget things. It's right. okay. And sh- she's not writing down and looking for us inconsistencies because mm-hmm. she knows, one, because she is smart, yeah. and two, because she's been through it herself. So, Christy, tell us, what it was like to go through that process
2: to go through that. well i think twofold is one what it was like to watch it again yeah please on yeah. <laughs> um unbelievable that was that was a i didn't know if i was going to get through the first episode actually i was mm-hmm. like i'm not sure i can do this but i think for me it's been about
0: did you know what the show was about
2: before? i did i did were and, you
0: like okay <clears> i gotta prepare myself
2: no, because I'm like, you know, I mean, I talk about rape so much, like, I, I will have a conversation about it over pizza. Yeah. Like, I just, it's kind of normal to me now. Right. Because um, to fast forward
0: in your story, you became a an right. advocate who yes. got up in front of crowds of people yes. and talked about your story. Yes, So this isn't something that is um, new right. to you to discuss.
2: Right. Like, I think the hard part was that there, when, for, for just watching it is... That the same, the way they they did a really good job of capturing what the memories are like, because it's oh. all very like you just see clips of it you know, and you're just like, and then that, and then this, and then that happened yeah and you're like, and then sometimes they're kind of scrambled out of order and you're like wait, and I think one of the things that I love so much is they named this show Unbelievable, and one of the very first things that happens to a victim is this sense of like, did that just happen to me? You yeah. know, that's Literally unbelievable. Like, it's pretty hard to internalize it that it actually happened. Yeah. So I think that's... So did
0: you question yourself in terms of... Yes.
2: I was like... I remember I called the police and I said, I think I've been raped. Like, that was literally similar. Like, I think this happened. You know? Even though I knew it did, it just was so confusing to me that it could. You know? And then it was from there to... Where I was um, to the police, being in the police car, and then from the police to the hospital, and then from the hospital to the police station.
4: Mm.
2: And then from the police station, my mom actually came and picked me up.
0: So a trauma-informed or a rape Mm -hmm. victim-aware investigator would hear, I think, and say 99% sure, something happened and we have a victim here right. who was just trying to mat- wrap their mind around it. Right. Um, dumbass cop, as portrayed in this show, who is right. a real life police officer mm-hmm. uh, who has no idea, even though they're a police officer yeah. and it's their job to know this. That's the thing about this that pisses me off. It's like, okay, average plumber doesn't understand the state of a mind of someone who has been raped. Nope. Police officers, detectives you know, 45, 55-year-old guys, um, they should know. Right. You know, it'd be like me as a therapist not understanding what to do when a client falls in love with me or something. Mm -hmm. It's like... I don't know. If that that just completely catches me out of nowhere, then one, I'm negligent for not educating myself. Mm -hmm. And two, my system in my field has been negligent to not alert me to this. this.
1: Sorry, I, I will say that I got the sense that because the, the other thing the show did really well is even though, of course, we're all horrified by how she's being treated, I felt that the cops were portrayed fairly realistically to what I would imagine, sadly, right? right? And and they were not portrayed like demons, like, right. oh, I'm right. sure you're making it up, little girl, right? right?
2: Right, they weren't like overtly awful. Right, it was like,
1: uh, in fact, at first they're kind of like, I mean, they're being so, uh, or the whole system is failing her, but they're like, oh, okay, okay, hmm. Well, that and then now that one guy does cross over and he's yeah. like, okay, I think you're lying to us, and right? Blah, blah, and blah. so yeah. the real
0: life other police officer. Had almost no experience with right. rape, right? Right. And uh, he was actually a narcotics that guy, taller or something. Guy. Yeah, the taller yeah. guy, yeah. who was actually the dumb guy actor who Oof. was on Coach with Craig T. Nelson. Oh
2: yeah, oh, yeah. that was oh, my him. God. Yeah. Uh,
0: but anyway, that's
2: why. He's that's like, him. Yeah. Looks very different.
1: That's why you look. Oh, but that's why you look familiar. I yeah. know.
2: I was thinking the that's same. That's funny.
1: Okay. I uh, gotta
2: say though that like you know the police. I think that. Yeah, there there some of it I mean I think it's empathy collapse is part of it like it's it's hard to take it all in. I think there's a lot of reasons why people doubt or or try to keep their distance why? from the I think that like in order to continue doing their job as police officers they kind of They're they're, they're suspect. I also think that, um, like just to piggyback on schema therapy, I think that they get a schema that people make stuff up. Or there's a Mm. mistrust schema of women that becomes uh, internalized through sexism or patriarchy. But then there's also, I don't want this to happen to people. I don't want this to happen to my wife. I don't want this to happen to me. I don't want this to happen to my kids. I really feel more comfortable with a coping mechanism that says, I overcompensate and reject that this happens, so I'm going to just—it's more comfortable to believe that it didn't.
0: Research showed, in retrospect, that this precinct had something like four or five times the greater rate of— a uh, rape case uh, victims mm-hmm. being accused of lying, oh my mm-hmm. God, mm-hmm. than it's the average cultural. than the average precinct. So there was something about th- this particular precinct. Hmm.
2: I would though say like it might feel like a I, I would caution to feel a comfort that it's this particular precinct because in my thirteen years since my rape, I've talked with so many people and so many survivors, and unfortunately, this is pretty normal right like it's i don't want to diss on the good police officers out there because i did have one really good detective through my process that helped me so much but there were so many people all along the way that really dropped the ball really made mistakes really made me feel unsupported um but so there are good ones out there but i would say across the board we have a problem
0: yeah so i want to and don't you know, let me walk you through things you don't want to be walked I'm through. I'm totally ready. Okay. So how <laughs> like, old were you during the assault?
2: 33.
0: So this was about 10 years ago.
2: Yeah. No, uh, 13 years ago.
0: And you were in Seattle?
2: I was actually home visiting family. In Kansas? Mm-hmm. In Kansas.
0: And you, uh, it was a stranger, yes. correct me? Yeah. Uh, and it was... Like at night or what, yeah, what were the circumstances? It was at
2: night. Um, it was a drug facilitated rape. So I woke up with somebody I didn't know who he was, and he was just. I mean, it was very similar to what she went through. It's like you just wake up and they're oh my God. they're there, so and it's happening.
0: It was drug facilitated. You said?
2: Yeah. So like somebody drugged me while he you did. were out. Yeah. With friends, and or then something. I and then I woke oh. up in this place. So.
0: So he had, like, dragged you or, like, led you somewhere? No,
2: there was a a house party um, across the street, and so we ended up over there.
1: Okay. Oh, you Uh, hadn't gone to that house party?
2: We had gone for a bit, and then (gasps) I don't really remember. So this is where it gets. And then this is what's even harder is, like, so, like, looking at the types of rapes, what's prosecutable, what's believable. Um, When we have drug-facilitated rapes now, we don't need to beat the shit out of someone. <laughs> and really, it's hard to get a jury to buy right. that this happened to you if there's not this, like, horrible, oh, cause you're you not know, bruised you're something. not bruised. Yeah, like, I was, but, like, not to the extent that mm-hmm. right. it would have been if it was an, ag- mm-hmm. an attack where they had to overpower me mm. in that moment.
0: To me, the key <clears throat> is that research shows that of those allegations – where Mm -hmm. people come forward and make an allegation, Mm -hmm. it's found that the vast, vast majority of those people are telling the truth. Yeah. Uh, One, because everyone knows that to make such an allegation is going to incur a lot of possible bad Mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. So for someone to actually come forward and say something, uh, it probably happened. Yeah, uh, The uh, rate of false allegations like that is pretty slim. They happen.
2: I know the statistics on what that. What is it? Two percent, between one to two percent. And the problem is, is they don't actually track why they're classified as false report. And some mm. of them are classified as false report because the victim recants their story out of oh. fear or out of this intimidation from the police. Wow. Um, and they also never keep track of the people who wanted to prosecute but weren't allowed to. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of people that really want to. And I was looking at the RAIN, um, that's the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network website. They draw really good statistics from the Department of Justice. And right now, out of every thousand rapists, only five will ever spend a day in jail. So 995 of them walk.
3: Right. So and and it's,
2: it's pretty hard to face those numbers sometimes. And, right. it's like, and, and ooh, and, and what's going on?
0: My soapbox is that I always get on about this is that, of course, certain uh, percentage of criminals are going to get away with it because they cover their tracks. They're just hard to track down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that rate is way out of whack with other kinds of similar crimes like robberies or yes. random assaults on the street or something. And the reason for that is because of us. Mm -hmm. We have built a society that actively uh, punishes victims in a variety of ways that this show uh, Unbelievable depicts. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows that.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: um, And so therefore, they don't even come forward. And even if they do, the system fails them often. And And they wish they hadn't. Right. Um that's what, you know, Marie Adler eventually says later on. She's like, um, what I've learned is I should have never reported this. I yeah. wish I would have lied more <laughs> effectively from the beginning. Yep. Um, uh, the problem was, was that I had some trust in the world left. And what this event taught me is that. I should have never trusted anyone because that's what the world has taught me. Everyone understands that from the age of 10 years old, uh, maybe even as young as five, children have gotten the message from our society that if you come forward Mm -hmm. about things like this. Mm -hmm. Now, if you come forward about being mugged or robbed, how many people don't tell the cops when their car is stolen? How many people don't call the cops when someone breaks into their house, you know, like less than one percent. Someone and you
2: can tell people at work the next day. Yeah,
0: you'll be like, you'll yeah, you'll be like, oh my god, someone broke into my house. How many people report to anyone, let alone the police, that they've been sexually assaulted or, or raped? Right. Very low percentage. Very. And that's because of us. It's not because of the victims and their weakness. It's not because of a couple of police officers. It's because of the messages we give. The shame. The mm-hmm. system, the lack of trauma-informed care, the lack of research, the lack of education, the lack of legislation, yep. the the lack of uh, feminism,
3: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and we uh, we're we're failing, and we're and right now, a show like Unbelievable, we're like, okay, there's this seduction around like, okay, well we caught him, I get to go to bed, sleep well, knowing that we got. You know, Mark O'Leary. And that was 50 or, years ago, right? <laughs> it <laughs> was recently.
3: Yeah. Just
0: like uh, seven years ago, yeah. they, they caught him, or eight years ago. Or, wow. And uh, right now, at you know, your statistic, uh, what was it, 95? Uh, 995
2: out of 1,000.
0: 995 out of 1,000 rapists Never. are right now uh, at large. Uh, do you think they've uh, wrapped up their raping? Um, they're, they're continuing to do this, you know, it reminds me of the Brock Turner case, you know, a, a similar kind of case yes. where the woman what, you know, even admitted, she's like, I got really, really drunk mm-hmm. to the point where I was sort of blacking out.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and the bro and he was convicted, but mm-hmm. he was only given like three months in jail or something like that's that.
2: That's also pretty typical. The, right. the incarceration time period is rather low if they ever get to jail. Um, right. If you ever get to prosecute, I think another thing, just to interject really quick, is one thing I learned in the process was that rape is a crime against the state, not against you. So even if the woman or man or victim wants to prosecute, the ultimate say in whether or not that happens is the state. So you can be denied, and they also don't keep track of how many people are denied access to the justice system. You could go through the civil process, but when you do that, you have zero protection like they can in criminal system you have rape shield laws that will protect you from them asking you questions about like your partners or your lifestyle, you know, things that aren't really relevant to what happened. So they'll basically just if you go in a civil case, they're just going to destroy you on the stand. And then also civil cases cost a lot of money, which not a lot of people have access to. And um, if they find, just like with what happened with her, if they find that you are partially responsible, you might get charged with something. um, You could be sued
0: for libel or whatever. Yeah. And so
2: it's just really not accessible for people to, and you're right. And I love, like, it makes me feel so good to sit there and watch you get so mad. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> about mm-hmm. people not doing well enough because we aren't. And and I think that, you know, it's because we just don't talk about it. The shame silences us and then people don't know how to talk about it. People don't want to believe it happens. People don't want to deal with the fallout of it. And we have all these rape myths and like you're asking for it kind of concepts. And then what ends up happening is your attorneys and judges know that your jury is filled with people who think, believe rape myths, believe that women ask for it or believe that women lie. And so they know it's very, very difficult to prosecute um, because we're going to turn this over to 12 people from our community so the change really needs to happen on several levels one systemically within the justice system and how we respond to it but also culturally we need to help people understand like look this does happen and
0: people aren't making
2: it up right
0: (laughs) happens to a lot of people Um, okay so you're in Kansas you wake up Mm -hmm. he's on top of you Mm -hmm. Um, then what happens
2: Um, I remember saying like what are you doing get off of me who are you you know, that kind of stuff. Who are you? You didn't even yeah, know. Yeah, I didn't know who he was. Oh. Um. So total stranger, you know. Um. And he was like, I couldn't move. And he was um, mad. The drug or? Yeah. Or? I think probably fear and the drug. Like, I remember being like, I can't. I, at first, I couldn't even speak. So I was just like, what? I can't resist, right? So I just couldn't move. But I remember saying once I was able to speak like, hey who are you what are you doing get off of me and and he was like really mad that I was saying that and it was kind of weird it was like he was in this delusion like he wanted to hug me and he thought we were like in love or something and I was just like really you know terrified and creeped out and once he finally got off of me um, I was like I still couldn't move. And I think he was worried because I was so upset. And I honestly don't think he thought he was doing anything wrong. Right. Or it was like something he did so much that maybe me waking up was like a surprise to him.
1: Was he intoxicated? Did I he
2: don't know. I think so, maybe, you know. Um, so he, And so then he just left. You know, it was like this story. It's like people tell... That they just come in, and then they do this, and then they just leave. And I remember being, like, super confused. I didn't know where I was. I n- found my phone, but it was weird. I was in this, like, really confused state, and I remember holding my phone, and I was thinking, maybe my phone recorded what happened. Right. It was a strange thought. Like, I was just, like, holding it and, like, hoping that something captured what happened. And right then yeah and then it was like i really just kind of got myself to be able to move and collect myself and then I tried to go to my friend's house that i had been with the night before but the doors were all locked it was really weird and it was a mess so i was like knocking on the door but then i thought i better stop that because she has little kids and i didn't want to scare the children so i went and got in my car and called the police oh, and then that's uh, where it like all kind of kept going you know and then the police are there
0: so they they come out to you
2: yeah actually i didn't know where i was in the city either because i was on the missouri side visiting friend and so i had to drive to to until i recognized the location i was at oh.
0: this is like pre-gps and that yeah yeah so the police and show they up came, yeah. and uh, like how many police officers
2: God, I don't know, a lot. I mean, and that's the other thing is, like, it's so weird because at first everybody seems to care, and then, like, the weeks following, it's like no arrest has been made and nothing's happening. And so You it, know, you see it on the news, and or on the news, you see it on, on like, Law and order, TV shows, Law and Order and stuff, and you think they're just going to hit the sirens, and the next day you're going to have the guy in custody, and... And you're in court. <laughs> Actually, that whole process takes like a year and a half. And so you yeah. feel very unimportant, but that's a longer story. But then the hospital. And that's where I really realized what happened. I think that's when I was really like.
0: Well, uh, oh. just to get micro, so the police officers, was, was your experience of that? similar to what was in unbelievable Yeah,
2: they're very like just the facts ma'am, just, you know, the only, the one that really was good is after I got so and the other experience that's similar is telling it over and over telling it to the first cops telling it to another cop telling it to the Hospital. Then the detective comes and telling it to the detective, and then going downtown and writing it down. Do you know
0: why they do that?
2: No, but it's terrible. Of course (laughs) it is. It's like, why are you making people go through this? I mean, you know.
1: Sorry, that would be bad in uh, any case. Like, okay, so my someone threw a break through my window, right? And then I have to like retell this over and over. But as soon as it's something traumatic, right? Like, that's
2: crazy. Right, right. And but It's like they can't, they, that's where I think they've got the empathy collapse. Like, they can't understand what that's like for you.
1: And and if it's a matter of like, well, we want to make sure we have the fresh recollection. Great. Film it right now once and get it and then move on and then start all the right, healing that process. That would be
2: whatever, wonderful. You know?
1: <laughs> and that's well, even that's hard because you're still gonna have to like yeah but I, you know whatever but it seems like the the repetitive part of it is yeah and to different people it's like all these strangers and you're just like oh. all these intimate horrible things happened
2: and nobody knew where I was that's the other thing that I noticed in this 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 show that really captured it is that you're so alone in it you're so alone in your terror you're just like no one knows I'm here. No one understands what I'm feeling. No one knows what's going on. You know, even the like the rape kit at the hospital. Like they take all that information, and I remember the woman not really knowing what she was doing, and she didn't know how to work the camera. And I'm a (laughs) photographer and a teacher. How to use the camera? So let's break that uh, that down.
0: So they in the show they depict this, and I you know I, I had a you know verbal or sort of topic sentence understanding of this process Mm -hmm. i've never been through it Mm -hmm. um they the police show up they ask you to tell the story Mm -hmm. they say you're going to have to go to the hospital and and do and have a physical examination to
3: Mm -hmm. um
0: get dna samples and check Mm -hmm. for um structural uh damage so to speak and trauma to to your body yep uh and take pictures anyway so you go to the hospital in the show. Mm-hmm. And they swab everything. Mm-hmm. They swab inside your vagina. They swab outside. They swab your face. They swab. And they're, they're looking for DNA. Mm-hmm. And they then strip you naked and take pictures of you?
2: Yeah, and take your clothes and put them in evidence bags. And somebody else has to bring you clothes.
0: How, how is that? I, I mean, I get the forensic side of this. Right. But... No one's there going like, so um, Uh -uh. I know you've just been victimized, Uh -uh. but it would be, it's a a really great thing if we can get pictures. Uh. Uh, Do you, is it okay? Like no Uh one asks if it's okay. No one gives you an option of like, could I do this? Like in an hour, because right now I just need a glass of water. Right. Like no one does
2: that. No, no. They
0: just strip you naked
2: just take at the hospital sc- yes. after
0: you've been physically yes. violated. That's why
2: there's so many levels of violation for, yeah. sur- for survivors. It's the f- original violation. And then there's the violation of like the coldness of the police and then yeah. the violation at the hospital. And then add on to that later. They never used the rape kit. They never even looked at it tested anything and in in fact a few weeks into the situation um I found out that like the hospital had thrown away some important pieces of evidence and why uh they were negligent that's all um and I actually had years later well not that many years later but like a year after had started working with uh Missouri State, because it was in the state of Missouri, I started working with the Missouri State Rep to create legislation because I thought about pursuing suing the hospital. But, you know, you're you're, after an assault, you don't even have the energy to fucking eat breakfast like that. Like you can't do any normal things, but they expect you to like. Deal with legal processes, which yeah. are hard on a good day, you know. Or like, I wasn't going to sue the hospital. I did call them and yell at them, and write them, and complain, and say, "Please do not do this to anyone else." And then I started working on a piece of legislation with this woman to try to create better collection of forensic evidence for for rape victims, and then add on to it. I mean, it's well, been what so were nice that? to what see. What were your recommendations? Um, one of the big recommendations was to ask them if you have been, if you think you've been drugged, um, and to say, sometimes people don't know whether or not they've been drugged. I want you to know that we will test for that if you want us to, Mm. um, the other, and that we'll hold on to that evidence. Right. Right. And then also they, um, uh, the other part of the legislation was just more consent, like do you want us to test for this? Do you want us to take this right. from you? Cause, Do you know what this is about?
0: Uh, you're the victim. Yeah. Presumably, you want to you want the state to catch the bad guy. Yeah. So, you're on you're on their side. Mm-hmm. Uh and it's not a fucking emergency. It doesn't have to happen this second. Mm-mm. Um how about a little bit of like is it is it okay? Like it'll yeah. help us to catch the guy if we yeah. can take pictures. Um, here's how it goes, at least like the question, but the way they depicted it in the show, which from what you're saying is accurate. Yeah. Uh, and again, this girl, she's young. The whole time I was watching this, especially when she was being questioned by the police officers, I'm sitting there next to my wife. She loves it when I scream at the television. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting... Get a fucking lawyer. Yeah. Get a fucking lawyer. Why Mm -mm. was, and again, she's not, she doesn't have the right to a lawyer because she's not being, you know, convicted of a crime. So they just uh, ferry her through the process. Mm -hmm. The whole time I'm like, she needs an advocate. She needs someone who knows this process and can be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You've already asked her that question. Yeah. Uh, You have the answer. So let's move on.
3: She's
1: already given you that answer. Stop. She's but not. No, one, no one would know this. Because like, right. I'm sitting there thinking... They don't thinking, even know
2: what to do. Right.
1: Like, I'm sitting here thinking of the following. Let's say that right now someone uh, broke into my house, let's say, and they stole my TVs. My 20 TVs. I have mm. 20 TVs sitting there <laughs> waiting for, to be sold. Okay. They stole, stole my 20 TVs. I don't know what's the process. I mean, I know I'm going to call the cops. Maybe they'll come over. I don't know what I have to fill out. I don't know anything. And that's just about, like, someone breaking into your house and... and let alone if they if there's some suspect and do mm-hmm. I have to go to trial? I have no idea about any of this. Mm-mm. So how is an 18 year old in trauma going to know anything about anything during that process? Right. And so of course she's just Nothing. like trusting the system, right? That was the like,
2: biggest bust, like bust. I don't know what the right word is, but the biggest like shattering experience pop was pop bubble. Yeah, sh- pop bubble. Thank you. Is I was like oh, the justice system doesn't help me. Yeah, Like I was like, oh, got it. You know, but it took like you have in your mind, these are the people that are going to help and they know what they're doing. And, and then it's like, and I don't think that really dawns on you until later. It's kind of also in the moment where you're like, why are you doing that? Or yeah. But you just submit to the whole thing because it's authority, right? You're just like, yeah. okay, ne- next thing, you know. But you're right, like, and I also, honestly, I felt really bad for the woman that was doing my rape kit, because I could tell she was really uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. and and she didn't know how to use the camera, and it was making her really embarrassed, and I was like, it's fine, I'm good at photography, give it to me, I'll set it up, like... I just, like, it felt really frustrating, though, to be this person that's, like, more competent in the room, and I'm the one that's supposed to be helped.
1: Right. You would imagine. It was just, like. You imagine, like, the Star Trek scenario, right? Like, in this advanced post-technological society, and they just know how to. uh, Forget about Star Trek. Just law and order.
0: The way they depict this on TV. Yeah, I guess. It's it's lickety-split. Yeah,
1: I'm imagining, (laughs) like. Like, these, like, really advanced systems and, like, really co- make, the, make it comfortable. for. Th- but, mm-hmm. you know, I was thinking about how in this case where um, they don't even know if there is a person, like, in the, in the show, um, the cops, by, you were alluding to this, they're dealing mostly with people that are not being forthcoming. They're, they're lying because, like, did you steal that? No, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, yep. like these kind of things. And I think it's prior personality type and a type of thing. They just kind of gravitate towards like that suspicion. And so they're like, well, look, I'm just going to assume the world is lying to me because that's what I see every day. Amen. So they don't have both a culprit and a, and a dude in a mask show up at the precinct. They have just like, or sorry, like a victim. and a, They just have this victim. Mm-hmm. And, and then they don't see any culprits around. And so then they target all that suspicion towards that victim. And then to your point with the hospital... I mean that. It seems like in this case, it's like mm. you don't have a trained staff ready to go when the when the rape victim comes in. Yeah, and you don't you have, have some any clothes random to give her. person.
0: Like, right. Oh. So I don't know if anyone ever does this, but to me, the obvious solution is to have a a rape victim advocate, either a volunteer or a paid social worker or something, who's on call. And whenever there's an allegation, they're they're the first, they're one of the first people on the scene, and they just sit right next to the victim and explain the situation, give them consent, uh, advocate for them. You know, they're working. They're you know, they're not against the police, they're not against the Mm-mm. hospital, but they're like, oh. I see you're not very good at this. Can you get someone else in here that knows how to take the picture? I see that you're struggling with this. Yeah. That I don't think you should be practicing with the victim here. I think yeah. you should, how about yeah. you, you know, because the victim doesn't know to say, uh, who the fuck are you and why are you doing right. this? Right, right. Um, so, uh, or... They
2: do have an advocate. Com- mine came later, like when I got to the...
0: But they need to be there right the away. At yeah. One. Yeah. Uh, hey, um, police officer, making her relive... The trauma mm-hmm. is going to uh, raise the risk of her developing PTSD in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So you need to back the fuck off. Yep. So knock it off. You have the story. She told it to you already. Mm-hmm. Knock it off. Mm-hmm. Um, like, we need that person sitting right next to the victim because we can't expect us to educate the public on, you should speak up for yourself and mm-hmm. da, da, da. Um, so, so you go to the hospital. Um, w- was that uh, as... Traumatic as they show, and unbelievable was it violating and
2: oh yeah, absolutely, I mean, awful. you've already felt you know so much like nothing was your choice, and you don't really who's the who is these who's that stranger, <laughs> you know what why is it just okay for people just to shove stuff into me,, yeah. basically, you know, I'm sorry to like be yeah. so graphic there, but like yeah. and I think that's what kind of happen later on and I don't know how much we want to talk about the rest of the show but like there's that feeling of like (sighs) it's hard enough that this can happen in the world it makes it so much worse that nobody cares right after or does anything about it or what they do about it harms you more You know, so, yeah, that was it was not a good and I've actually years ago and I was just thinking today, thinking about coming on and talking about this, that I might revisit this idea. One of the things that also happens is when they take your clothes, you know, someone has to bring you clothes if you don't have a person to bring you clothes. I would like to start some sort of organization or p- pair up with organizations that provide you clothes. Like my f- a friend, my friend came and she brought me like a T-shirt and some sweatpants and some flip-flops, but that was like, you know, what I had. That was it. And then the next step was being outside of the hospital and in a car with a strange man who says he's my detective and he's taking me to the police station and I'm sitting there without a Yay. bra or underwear on oh. and, and you just feel so like... Like women like to wear their bra, you know, (laughs) like that's like you're at home or you're around somebody you're comfortable with when you take the bra off at the end of the day. But when you're just kind of like sitting in a car with a strange man after what's after what's happened and you're like, yeah, I mean, can I have a bra? Can someone give me some underwear? Can something different happen? Like I get mad about it now and I would love to start. I started looking at it years ago where I was like, what can we do to like at least have like. Kind of some one size fits all sports bra situations. A couple of different sizes. Maybe an organization that helps provide this to hospitals as like a resource. You know. Yeah. Otherwise, if you don't have someone to bring you clothes, I think they give you like paper clothes, like the kind that the police carry around in their car. That
0: yeah, it's like one treating people like they're Auschwitz prisoners. Uh, two. It's almost like, you know, they passed legislation in certain states that they were trying to uh, make abortions illegal, but they Mm -hmm. couldn't manage it. So they decided to make it mandatory to do an invasive um, uh, uh, sonogram Mm -hmm. that involved basically a giant, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, you know, Implement a yeah. probe <laughs> cylinder yes. that is, uh, up that's placed up, up someone's uh, vagina, which is a real probe that they will use yep. under certain circumstances. But they made it by law mandatory mm-hmm. uh, against physicians' uh, recommendations. Like, okay, yeah, on some rare cases, we need this implement. Right. Mm-hmm. I actually know sonographers who uh, talk about when they would need that. And it's actually not very common. Uh, but they they made it by law mandatory. Why? Because they want to uh, disincentivize uh, make it abortions. as
1: painful as possible. Already
0: on <laughs> right. top of
1: how painful it is. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's almost like
2: it is almost the like
0: system <laughs> wants to suppress victims coming forward.
2: Yes, absolutely. And honestly, I, I joined so many groups of women afterwards and. You know, and that's the other thing I want to say for any survivors out there listening is you don't have to report it. You can do whatever you want to do. If you feel safe or not reporting it, don't report it. If you feel like you want to report it because you're worried about it, know what that entails. Um, But it it's okay to not, but it does discourage. I know so many women that were like, Oh hell no, I would never get them involved. I know that it's worse. And I was Ugh. like, I did not know that.
3: That's terrible. And
2: my mind was more like this guy seemed like he did it before. That was another thing I really felt it was like, this is, it was obvious to me that this is not his first time. And I'm, um, it really is. Right. And I felt the sense of duty to, protect other people, you know, to be like, don't go out and hurt more people.
0: But well, and I correct. know a
2: lot of survivors feel really bad about not reporting, though, so yeah. don't feel bad out there. Right. If you're listening, do not feel bad. You had to do whatever you had to do to protect yourself, mm-hmm. and that is okay. Hey,
1: listen, like for most of history, sadly, and right now still in some place of the world, it wasn't just about like, oh, I know it's pretty uncomfortable if I report it. It's like, well, no, you will die mm-hmm. because... the the idea was, and I think this is what's permeated everything, the problem isn't that you got raped. The problem is infidelity outside of marriage and immorality. And mostly, we're talking about guys here. And so, like, still, unbelievably, in in places in this world, if you get raped, you're
2: going to get killed. Yes.
1: Because you've sinned. Right. You
2: brought brought dishonor on the family. Well,
0: And why were you drinking uh, in the first place? Uh, What were you doing? And the thing we should point out is that we have listeners all over the world, yeah, uh, a third of our listeners don 't live in the United States ah, yes. um, and uh, the not that the United States is you know a glowing beacon as we 're you know talking about here of justice, right. particularly when it comes to this we're we 're actually
2: worse than a lot of countries when it comes to we can to be rape.
0: worse, but we 're a lot better than a lot of countries as well yes,
2: true um,
0: and we have listeners in Saudi Arabia, yeah, yeah. there are, I have women who email me from, from Saudi, Saudi Arabia Ar- and, wow. and tell me what it 's like to to live in that yeah. uh, society. Uh, so we're, t- uh, to some people we're talking about the icing on the cake. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. So that needs to be pointed out as well.
2: Absolutely. Like that you could even report it ever or right. consider it
0: right, right.
1: But by, by as the an way, option. Sorry. Or even go out by yourself for that Yeah, matter. Or even go out right. by
2: yourself yeah. or have a drink. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. One One or show you yourself. Just,
1: uh, yeah. One thing you just said uh, reminded me of something. So you were talking about the invasiveness of some of the hospital procedures. Mm-hmm. So um, I have luckily never been uh, raped in, in any form like that. But You've been assaulted. I've been sexually. assaulted, yeah. but mm. Sexually, but, right, which absolutely. one
0: could consider rape. Right,
1: yes. absolutely. Uh, but I do remember this. So I was in a bad car crash when I was 18. Mm-hmm. I was a passenger in this one car. And I, when I was being taken in into the hospital,
4: mm-hmm.
1: as a matter of routine, I guess, they... They try to check for hernias or something. So as they're wheeling me through the hallway, s- someone stuck a finger in my oh anus, my God. and it's like a thing they do. They're Like I even remember, it's like just, check such and such or what. And they're and,
3: like, okay. But
1: yep. it's like I was like, whoa, you know, like, and I'm sitting there like hurt and like I barely know what's going on. It felt so violating, oh. and I hadn't just been raped. Mm-hmm. I was just in a hospital, mm-hmm. and, but I was hurt physically. And just like that idea of like, oh, I'm just like this piece of meat. And granted, there is this reality that if you are really seriously, especially if you're having a heart attack or whatever, to some extent, the doctors do need to mangle your body a bit because they need to try to get in, maybe pull out your lung, whatever the heck they have to do, right? And I get that. But mm-hmm. but let me give it. But
0: let me give it like a similar scenario. Right. Like let's say uh, you had there. W- let's say the her- I have no idea, but let's say there was a hernia. Uh, procedure check yeah. that involved like potentially rupturing your anus. You right. know, let's mm-hmm. say there was some kind of thing where they could stick up there that would uh, potentially damage right. you. Some the,
1: percentage chance it's going to yeah.
0: in the process of checking for yeah. this other thing. Mm-hmm. They would they would you know evaluate that risk. They would say right. like, well, we need yeah. we want to check for there's kurnia, a Physical risk, <laughs> but there's a you know a ten percent risk of us actually causing more damage. By doing this procedure. Well, guess what? (laughs) When you do this sort of thing to people, there's a psychological damage. Uh, there is psychological damage. There, there's a percentage uh, chance, risk yeah. of psychological well, damage. And right. so uh, wake up, people. Like, mm-hmm. uh, we have brains yeah. and things happen inside y- of our brain. Like, uh, mm-hmm. wake the fuck up. And so as they're administering these checks, uh, for even just for your example, yeah. they should have said, like, okay, there's a risk that this person has been raped yeah. and or this is going to feel like a rape. So how about we figure that in to our scenario and maybe maybe there's a thing you can do like you 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 come you know they come down to your level and they're like by the way sir we have to check for a hernia yeah is it okay if i put my digit up your (laughs) butt yes it'll it'll help you and if you're like fuck no then it's like okay well i'm gonna i'm gonna read that as a indicator that this person is likely to incur psychological damage if I, if I forge ahead. Yeah, we'll ask
1: mm-hmm. again in 10 minutes. Like, well, and we'll ask again in 10 they're minutes. They're not bleeding from the anus. By right. the way, <laughs> it, there's a lot of things about that night that I don't remember.
3: There mm-hmm. are moments,
1: of course, that are embedded in my memory, right? That's one of them. Uh, so so I, I'm not trying to say, like, this is some the worst trauma of my life. I'm just saying, like, those little things, even though I wasn't a rape victim... But it was an invasion of my body that I was not expecting. So I cannot even begin to imagine when I did just get raped and now I'm being like more invaded. Right. And I don't understand what's happening and why this is happening.
0: So then afterwards, uh, Christy, you uh, are taken to the police station and they question you yet again. Yes. Just like in Unbelievable.
2: Yes. And in this case, I was grateful there was a um, victim advocate there and- I don't remember. I think she just provided emotional support and the detective um, asked his assistant or somebody to come in and I guess he wasn't a very fast typer and he didn't want me to have to write it up. So they, I was going to say it all again, but this woman was typing it up. So you, so here you are again, like just me and like three strangers all kind of hearing the worst thing that i ever you know i think that's the other thing is like women are just i mean i think men can fear it too but i think women fear it we're taught to fear this from an early age don't get raped don't draw attention don't be too much whatever you know all that victim blaming kind of conditioning um so like for me it was always kind of the worst possible thing that could happen to me even though i was assault assaulted but molested as a child so that was my first sexual experience and I won't even say sexual but that was my first sexual assault was at five years old so I think all my life I thought oh no this could happen again you know and this was the rape was the final straw for me in a lot of ways because there had been stalkers and I'd been attacked twice by people i didn't know who were trying to force me to do sexual things and i was just like oh my god like after a while it's hard not to have that schema right yeah. like that okay this is right. really dangerous schema so. of
0: the world is dangerous
2: schema of the world is dangerous uh, men
0: men are evil i yeah. am worthless
2: yeah and nobody cares what happens to you Oof. you know like nobody's really going to do anything we might and that's the thing that was really hard about the whole process is they drag you through all of that and then they do nothing.
0: So that's what happened to you?
2: Well, that was where it went to was like so I went to the police station and then we wrote all that up and then I had called my mom and she came and picked me up and I remember being really tired and really mad and there were some I'm leaving out some pretty awful details as well just because I don't think I can say them. You know, mm-hmm. but, um, stepdad came and got me and they were really sweet, but it was also like frustrating again that so much attention was on me when I went home and I took a shower at my mom's house. And when I came upstairs, she had made breakfast and she'd like put everything out really nicely on the table and like we were going to sit down and chat kind of breakfast and. I remember being really angry, and I was like, this isn't a fucking event. Right. <laughs> I was just like, can I just eat some goddamn food and go hide in bed for maybe, like, two weeks, you know? Yeah. And my mom is so sweet. Like, I literally said that to her, and she was just like, okay, okay, whatever, you know? Right. She's really good at, like, managing that, um, and I really appreciated it's that.
0: Great, and, uh, and your mom knows... Enough, yeah. To say she's been through something really rough, yeah. She's going to be in a bad mood.
2: Yeah, I was just so. And tired I'm glad she's all. telling
0: me what she wants. I I took a stab at what I thought she might want. Yeah. And she told me otherwise. Great. Now I know.
3: Yeah.
0: In the show, unbelievable. Um, they don't uh, the the characters around Marie.
3: Right.
0: Don't have those kinds of reactions.
3: Oh, that support no. group. Yeah. That
1: support group. I was so upset.
0: Of the other kids,
1: yeah, I'm like. Oh, well, that my was God. after that was she later. had
0: uh, falsely said that she lied. But didn't
1: yeah. But th- w- th- that's my point. Is like, w- I guess I know it's just a show, and I'm just being shown what the show is showing me. But it's but, a good thing to be me, angry viewer, about, <laughs> right? But me, the viewer, I'm like, but don't you see? Don't you well, see yeah, what's happening? So
0: I'm going to go on a little tangent, and this is a little off topic, but uh, while we're on this topic, mm-hmm. is that that was probably the only thing I didn't like about this show was yeah. that they didn't give enough background to why perfectly reasonable, empathic people would be so oblivious to what was happening. Uh, namely, the two the two foster brothers yeah. and the two counselors. Uh, you expect. Other people to be a little oblivious, but you would expect the two counselors who Mm -hmm. seem to have uh, empathy and care. You would expect the foster parents, I guess, the three foster parents, Mm -hmm. to uh, be more on the side. Because why would you become a foster parent if if you're kind of a dick or sort of oblivious? And the thing that I didn't like about the show was that uh, there's there's uh, two things that could have happened. One is is that it is it's totally accurate depiction, and Marie was a Perfectly reasonable, reasonable person yeah. who was not believed, which happens, mm-hmm. um, and was totally failed by everyone based on just our biases and our prejudice and sexism and whatnot. Um, but a much more likely scenario, because I've I worked I've worked with so many clients like this. I just I haven't really said that yet. I worked with so many young girls like this, mm-hmm. and. As I was watching the show, they hinted at it at times, and, and I read into it much more uh, in detail. They showed two things. They showed her dancing on a picnic table in mm-hmm. a mildly sexual way, mm-hmm. very awkward way, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was, a, was accurate in terms of acting out of a sure. teenager. And then she blows out the candles of, of another foster kid. Yeah. That was the extent of her bad behavior. Right. These kinds of kids, and I don't know if Marie was one of those people, but given her history, the kinds of misbehavior that these kids exhibit is extreme. It mm. sounds like, you know, because it sounds like she's been in the foster system since she was three years old or something like yeah. that. That her, The attachment injuries she's been through and the the amount of acting out like lying all the time, using drugs. Uh, not following the rules, breaking curfew, uh, pro- promiscuity. Mm-hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with having sex, but you know, to foster parents who are trying to wrangle these kids. Right. Uh, using drugs in the house, stealing stuff from other kids in the house, stealing stuff from, yeah, from the parents' um, uh, you know, wallet and stuff. Uh, running away, uh, dropping out of school, skipping school, yelling it at foster parents, yelling at teachers. Uh, I don't know if Marie... Uh, Did that? Maybe she didn't. But the way they were telling a story, it was like they were hinting at a Mm -hmm. history of that Mm -hmm. that would contribute to the foster parents being a little bit skeptical. Um, What I would have liked to have seen, but I get why they didn't do it, because they wanted to make Marie likable, I think. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: And maybe it's accurate. That's another possibility. But I suspect Mm -hmm. Marie, if we really talked to the foster parents and said, like, what did you know and or see up until that point? They'd be like. She had lied to me thousands of times up until mm-hmm. that point. There were times when i couldn 't trust anything she said to me that is a common presentation right. that therapists like me and Christy know mm-hmm. very well yeah. and it doesn 't mean you don 't believe the kids when they 've been raped right. it, that not what that 's not what it means. Right. What it means is that People who don't know better, yes, like foster parents and uh, maybe General you know young people. youth workers at a at a home
2: and friends and family and
0: friends and family in particular. Uh, they have a track record that leads them to at least question. You know the way that the foster mother sort of came up with their suspicion. It's as you're watching Aberto, right? From your point of view, you're mm-hmm. just like, why are you? Doing this? Like, yeah. why are you?
2: What sus- did you think about that?
1: Well, I just felt like, I mean, I did see those two scenes that you're talking about, and I thought, well, sure, okay, so they're concerned that she lies and all these things. Um, but it seemed but to they come didn't out of set nowhere. set it up because right. it wasn't like, well, she's done this before, remember? Yeah. right? Like, remember the time she said Billy raped her? Right. Okay, but, by the way, p- quick parentheses. I had a girlfriend in high school who. When I when I was getting to know her and stuff like that, she confided in me that sh- that uh, an ex-boyfriend of hers had tried to, mm-hmm. to rape her. Mm-hmm. Now, that may have happened. Mm-hmm. Then later in our relationship, she confided in me that this other ex-boyfriend of hers had also tried to yeah. rape her. Th- then she confided in me on like a third one. yeah And then she confided in one of my friends that I tried to, <laughs> to oh. rape her. And so it's like... Yeah. I don't know how many times or whatever. Like, I don't know what happened. There's, there must have been some trauma, right? Yeah. But I certainly could see, like, if someone came to me, and like, oh, did you hear such and such? Tra-? I, I would take it with a grain of salt. I'd be right. like, well, that might be, but I have this data. They didn't set it up this way at all. They right. set it up as in, like, well, she acted out a couple times. Now she's a... And, and barely. I mean,
0: and, right. she danced Bare- on a picnic yeah. table, yeah. and she blew out someone's right. candles. I, I just want to excited. say, that's the background, right. yeah. and if that's the extent right. of My her misbehavior... My mom would have been happy
2: if that's how well-behaved I yeah. was. Yeah.
0: I mean, there was... You know, you've had clients like yeah. this when you were at internship. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It was it was a daily occurrence. Sure. And, yeah. and, and, and so... Again, I don't know, maybe Marie was a very well-behaved mm-hmm. person. That certainly can happen, but it seemed to me like the likelihood right. was. So that was the one thing I didn't like about the show, was that it 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 sort of uh, what I think, because I think this show is great because it's educational and inform and, and, and entertaining. It's mm-hmm. a very entertaining mm-hmm. show, and it's also very informative. And I think it educates people on a, a lot of things. But it I does. think the one thing it didn't, uh, I think, really nail is that there are there's a certain sliver of our population who ha- have been thrown around in foster care, abandoned by their parents, dr- drug addicted mm-hmm. parents, and have uh, uh, tremendous attachment injury and tremendous mm-hmm. issues that play out when they're teenagers, mm-hmm. that result in a lot of lying and a lot of personality issues, mm-hmm. a lot of acting out, um, often you know promiscuity, dipping into that, drug use. And for those people, they become targets yes. for victimization by predators because they know that those particular people are, one, uh, sometimes they have mechanisms that kick in that actually uh, cause them to, quote, unquote, go along with, with the the assault. Yeah. And two, no one's going to believe them because they're already completely marginalized anyway. mm mm-hmm this is a real thing. And so I I felt like they didn't really depict that. The other thing is is that you can walk away away from this show thinking that foster parents are basically kind of like dumbasses. Mm -hmm. And foster parents are some of them, they're saints. I mean, how many people volunteer to take in... Good point. Some of the most misbehaving, by definition, kids in your county. Uh, These people, and they don't get paid enough. These people are saints. And they depicted these women... Uh, as uh, not evil, but not great.
2: Right. You know what I mean? That's it's kind a good- of a classism thing, I think. Hmm.
0: Yeah. What do you mean?
2: Well, I think that like I don't know. Like I think that 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 they're like oh they're they're not that well worldly, you know. Even though they're helping kids, they especially because they're helping kids, they haven't like gone out in the world more. They're too busy like taking care of. Difficult children or whatever, so there's this sense that like they have a limited um, experience in the world. I feel like that's how they were portrayed in the show, at least. Right. I right. see, and I think that also, you know, well, first of all, I think you're right. Foster parents are saints, but also they can be bad and they have yeah. hurt kids, just like real parents can. Yep. Um, and that's all there. But as you were talking, especially about the marginalized stuff and and the fact that. Someone that's that marginalized will be targeted. Um, that's an important thing to say on here. I feel is like I started to realize, like I had to fight tooth and nail to get to go to trial to prosecute. Um, if I was a woman of color, you know, the the most believable survivors or victims, um, and I use those words interchangeably, uh, the most believable are white women who are married. Sure. And it's so somebody else outside right. the marriage, then. But if you're single, if you're young, if you're poor, if you're of color, if you're an immigrant. There's a whole bunch right. of stuff.
0: If if you're addicted to heroin.
2: If you're a drug addict, yeah. like If, if you're if homeless. You're, if you're mentally ill.
0: If you have if schizophrenia. If you're disabled. Yeah. <laughs> if you have yeah. Alzheimer's. Right. Uh, yeah, there's there's if you're Very elderly. Very vulnerable
2: populations.
0: Right. Um, if you're prone to magical thinking like that like that yep. one woman. Yep. Uh, there's certain people who we just sort of ride off and go like, well, you know, you can't believe any.
1: Uh, sorry, the, the thing that was, wh- about the moms I felt, somewhat you know like wow man i wish to have. but it was the counselors that that struck me the most i was like wait you you encouraged her to go back first of all and now you're just assuming that that's the end of the story and you're just mad at her
3: right, right. like wait yeah.
1: and
0: they kicked her out yeah uh well so and then she gets fired from her job because she's yelling at her friend yeah. like th- there were certain things where again could have happened yeah. but to me it would have been, I think, even a better story to show and they showed a little bit of this like when she was trying to get the sheets at the store. Yeah and she acted out a little bit there. And it, apparently that was a true story based on her account of what happened. Mm-hmm. Which makes total sense. It's just like you kinda get locked in like I want my original sheets. This is hard, you know. I and, want
2: this thing to have that happened to me to not have happened like right. is the, what she like was like really wanting. Or... Yeah. Like can this does this have <laughs> to be this way? Right.
0: And so <laughs> the uh, the way they portrayed it, it was like, uh, aside from those little incidents, it was like she was just being totally reasonable. And again, could have happened that way. But a typical eighteen-year-old who is developmentally like a thirteen-year-old or even a five-year-old because of the traumas that they've been through yeah. tend to react in. Ext- I mean, you were 30, 33. thirty-three years old, and you're with your mom, yeah. and. You were pretty snotty to her.
2: Yeah, I think actually, when I as we were li- talking about this, I think I realized I was oppressed through the rape. I had no power. And you wanted to. And then I had no power in the justice system, and then I had no power at the hospital, and I had no power everywhere. And I think once I got home, I was just like, "I have power here."
3: Right.
0: I want to exert. That and was I kind didn't of mean
2: to hurt her. or right. Be mad, but I was like. I was mad and I hadn't had a chance to express it to anyone yet.
0: Yeah. The the analogy I always give is you're teaching your kid to uh ride a bicycle and you let go of the bike and the kid uh immediately crashes and skins their, you know, knee on the asphalt and you walk up and you go like well, you know, get up on the bike, try it again. The kid's like, "No, I don't want to." You don't like slap the kid across the face okay. and say, "You're a you're a quitter, you right. you right. motherfucker." <laughs> right. You know, you're just like, "Okay, he's hurt." Mm-hmm. I get it. I'm right. not going to take his outburst as an indication of some kind of personality flaw. A right? a literal th- situation. Yeah. Right. So I mean, not someone, a typical
2: behavior for, right. you know.
0: Someone just went through something. That, you know, I stubbed my toe and my wife asked me to take out the garbage. I'm going to be like, in a second, you know. Yeah. I'm not going to be like, <laughs> oh, you know, it's fine. Uh, there's a, people understand that. And yeah. the same is true about events like this. Yep.
1: I, I, will, I will say, for example, nine years ago, I had a thing happen to me where uh, uh, a relative of mine uh, had borrowed a whole bunch of money mm. and did not pay it back. And it was <laughs> a lot of money, right? And I uh, was in this argument with my mom about it. I, I was at her house, and you know she was, I think she was trying to tell me how I needed to, like, how I should behave about it, whatever, you know, and, it's like, and I got so irate. I stood up, I yelled, and I left her house, and on the way out, I slammed her front door so hard, it just broke off the hinges. Mm. And I walked like a mile and finally cooled down and came back, and I had to apologize profusely and offer to pay for the door, all these things. This was not a rape situation. <laughs> it was traumatic in other ways. And I wasn't 18. I was, it was just nine years ago.
3: Right. Right.
1: And, but it was stressful. Did your and mom it was, understand that yeah, actually, you were- Yeah, she surprisingly- Maybe I'm not giving her enough credit, but uh, they were very understanding. About the yeah. door. Yeah. About the whole outburst. Yeah. Which, anyways, but the I think point that's is- the thing about know,
2: family is sometimes there's safety to have yeah. those big emotions. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, at, like at the store when yeah. Marie is trying to get that cheese. So So for you, you're at home, you say- uh, let's not make this a big thing. Yeah. Uh, you, you have your breakfast, you take a shower, you hole up in your bedroom, then what yeah. happened?
2: This is kind of a weird part of the story, but I was supposed to have lunch with my dad and I have a lot of unhappy connections to my father that something in the rape triggered that I could And your never... parents
0: weren't together, so... Yeah,
2: they weren't together.
0: Oh, not your stepdad. My your real father,
2: yeah. Yeah. Um, And if some of it was, like, around when I was five and molested. He, like, didn't think we should go to the police. He was like, she's just going to forget about it. It's not a big deal. Like, he didn't care, and he didn't react. And there's some other things that I kind of knew about him that were problematic to me around the way he treated women. Um, And I had to call him and tell him that I wasn't coming to lunch. I didn't tell him what happened, but I just said, look, I'm sick. And he was really mad at me. And he was like, come on, you know come to lunch, my friends were going to meet you. And he was just pissed at me. And I was like, well, I'm sorry, but I'm sick and I'm I'm going to bed. And actually, that's the last time I've ever spoken to him. Really? I haven't wow. talked to my dad for, yeah, 15 wow. years now. Because so, it was like August 27th of 2006.
0: So in a better society with different biases and different assumptions, you could say to him, I was just raped. Yeah, I can't meet you, and I don't want to talk about it with you right now. Right, um, we'll talk about it later, maybe. And he would know almost all of what that entails. Yeah, he would be like, "Oh my god."
2: Right,
1: um, but he, I
2: knew he would not react well. Right,
1: because or it, he probably wouldn't. You right, know?
2: <laughs> I knew he couldn't. Well,
1: and even if he had whatever, like the point is, you were it, it, he was no longer like a neutral agent in this story Mm-mm. for you. It became
2: very clear to me that it wasn't. Yeah. And I was mad that, you know, I mean, it was, I I thought it would would go one of, it could go several ways. One where he would like downplay it or victim blame me or another where he would, um, you know, say, just forget about it. You know, it's better to move on. Or another where he would say like, I'm going to go kill him. And I just want to say to all the people who want and have that natural urge to go hurt someone who's hurt someone you love after a person has already been a victim of violence the last thing they want is someone else doing violence without their consent Uh. so sometimes it's not a great thing to say you know you you might be able to say "I, i i wish i could i wish i could hurt them for you or like i feel that tendency, but there are people who will seriously grab their guns and their bats and go. Right. And, and they if,
0: think they're serving the they victim. They think.
2: And, but what they're really doing is they're taking the power out of the victim's hands again right. Right. by just doing whatever they want to do, not what the victim would want.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and, and to extend that, uh, generally speaking, is when a victim... And this was depicted with the second um, uh, detective in Colorado. Yeah. Where... As she comes to the victim, she's like, "So, uh, this is up to you. What do you What do you want to do?" And and so it's not just like, um, "Would you like me to go stab him?" Uh, You know, if you're a friend, right? Uh, I want to stab him, but do you want me to stab him? Right? Uh, Maybe you want me to stab him. I'll go stab him. Um, But the uh, broader thing of just like, I I want to report this. So so some so someone comes to you and says. They were raped last night, um, either a kid or something, even if it's a five-year-old kid, just your own kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, a key principle to follow is do what the victim, survivor, right. wants to do. Right. Put it in their hands. Um, would you like to report it? I right. will support you on reporting it. What do you want to do? Right. Uh, to do otherwise, risks often, again, uh. Overpowering and dominating this person yet again, uh, Mm. and putting them in a position where they're like, "Well, not only does no one care, but now everyone that's supposed to care about me, my loved ones, also don't really care. They're all just operating on their own needs." Yes, Uh, when is anyone going to stop and ask me what I fucking need right now? Yeah, Um, and it's this. It's it's good intentioned. They they're trying to care, Mm -hmm. but. They haven't been taught to be sensitive to to Mm. the state of a victim right Um, and that for many victims survivors they might not know what they want right away and so you just have to say uh, when you're ready i'll be here you know what i mean
2: (laughs) yes oh my god yes i mean i think that that's that's the thing too that like even though i would have prosecuted and i would have gone forward Like, actually, the whole thing just went so fast out of my control, you know. It was like, now I'm at the hospital. Now I'm doing this. And, oh, I guess this is what's happening, you know. Like, you didn't really have any chance to get your bearings. You're on rails. Yeah, you're just like, oh, and this is what's happening now. And, you know, I think, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that would be because I think it's just one of those situations where, like, you have to figure out what you're going to do. Right. In the moment, and once that ball is in motion, here we go.
0: Yeah, and, and again, it's easily solved by having an advocate that's there right away, and letting the victim consent yes. to such searches. Yeah, um, you know, s- police officers can't enter your house and right. start searching for things unless mm-hmm. there's, you know, right. it's lawful. In and the for same the love way, of you God, can't if
2: you're going to take a rape kit and all that. Information, use it. Don't leave it sitting. <laughs> but but, even, for but years. even, but even, but yeah. even before
0: that step, uh, consent from yes. the human yes, needs to be given a- and uh, informed consent. Like, mm-hmm. so, and there has so and there has to be an advocate there. This uh, so what this person is saying to you mm-hmm. is that you have a choice to do A or B or C, and here are the implications a will you know if if we actually go forward with the rape kit right Mm -hmm. now this is what you'll have to go through
2: yeah no Um, they did not
0: but it it will help because it it's right away and it's official and it it, they might actually find something that will actually help us to find the perpetrator uh but it but you can say no if if you want to say no but that limits the our ability to catch this guy it doesn't eliminate our ability because we have other ways Mm -hmm. Um, and or you or the person, or you go see. Um, how about you sit here and we will tell you where to put the Q-tip?
2: That would have been amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, like, something like that would have been great.
0: Yeah, like uh, your DNA is already in there anyway. So you touching it with your hands, or we'll put gloves on your hands. Right. You grab the Q-tip. I need you to put the Q-tips here. Um, That's a okay, good idea. That one you don't want to do. How about you just do the three other q-tip swabs you know Mm -hmm. you don't want to do the inside one do the outside one um you know it's not hard it's not rocket science you know and it it doesn't Mm -hmm. and i'm i'm not even an expert on this i'm just throwing this shit out of top of my head right now uh certainly uh
1: we can figure this out that's a
2: helpful perspective go ahead umberto oh
1: sorry the thing we can trust that i from all this is that i don't have any sense that anyone's done the good analysis to conclude that that wouldn't be a good idea. Right. Right. So it's, it's not like, well, yeah, yeah, we've tried all these methods and none of them work, right? right? It really the sense I get is there are some procedures, who knows when they came up with them. No one's really audited what's damaging to the, to the person or not mentally. And, well, and just to get back to the original point that I
0: said a while ago that the system is set up to actually uh, purposefully by some people to actually suppress people for coming forward. uh, Mm -hmm. That's a very real thing. It might be hard for some people to imagine, easy for others. There are a patriarchal people in power who uh, actually are incredibly inconvenienced by women's uh, allegations of sexual assault. And in their head, 50% to 75% are either lies or you know below the threshold of what would really be considered a crime. Mm. And right. they so they believe that uh in their logic that well if someone's really been raped then they're going to be willing to go through this. Mm. And for those who have those who are lying uh you know this this process will be a deterrent. Um because there are similar things in Oh wow. Yes. Yeah. I hadn't even thought of that. that that's a very—I know that's a—that's a factor in this. Absolutely. Because there are other mechanisms like this. Actually, um, like actually, in 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 our field, uh, one of the things that I've actually even proposed to some people, because there are some kids who will threaten suicide in a false way, and we've determined <laughs> that mm-hmm. we've we've de- you know it's very rare, mm-hmm. you know it's comparatively pretty rare. Most people who actually alert I'm suicidal, they're absolutely. And most people don't actually report they're suicidal. But there are some people who repeatedly cry wolf, and it's determined that they're – and they do it in these strategic moments. You know, they're about to be punished, and they're, I'm suicidal, you know. And what we recommend to families and to systems is to take it seriously and say, okay, um, I need a – we need to, like, do a a full evaluation of your suicidal allegation – and we might have to monitor you 24-7. Mm-hmm. And so this is a proper response, but it's set up to be a little bit annoying and and doesn't actually reinforce the behavior. Um, you know, we right. can maybe make that another topic for another <laughs> podcast episode, but it is not an uncommon mindset to have a strategy to suppress what you believe to be people who are lying. Mm-hmm. Um, but. The thing is, is like to treat every victim like they might be lying,
2: right? Yeah, imagine, imagine, and, and that is the case in court. You are there to they they, they presume he, that he's guilty or not guilty, right? Right. So right. in the, in court, you're the one on trial, right? The the victim.
1: Yeah. Imagine if this happened with a murder. So right. you have this body, and I don't even <laughs> talk about the personal <laughs> report. You have the body, and you're like. Well, I mean, we just gotta make sure that this body is dead, right? And like that, they really got killed. So we're gonna let it sit here for a while. And depending on who, how much people cry about it, how much like you know, no one does this, right? But it's it's like it is this very different standard for right. Like, look, like I, I like your point here because this is something I hadn't considered. We all know, wink, wink, that most of these are just like someone got a little carried away. Sure. But haven't we all? And that's the attitude. And so, th- therefore, it's like, we don't really need to be worried that most of these are real, absolute rapes. Yeah. If they were, well, that would be a problem. And then the reality is they are. And it is a problem. And it's incredibly inconvenient. And, oh, man. Disheartening.
3: Yeah.
2: It's just, I mean, honestly, like, my biggest, hardest time was when I was like, I don't want to live in this world. Yeah. I mean, and I see that in the story. And the same with unbelievable. Yeah, just I, yeah. I if it's like this it it was it's weird because I've been reflecting on it and I'm like, I don't know that it's so much that I couldn't live in a world where bad stuff happens. It's I can't live in a world where bad stuff happens and bad guys know they can get away with it and no one cares. Yeah. You know, that's where it's like that's why I became such an activist was I was like, well either I have to be a force to make this change Or I'm just jumping ship. Yeah. So I want to
0: get to that. But before that, did they catch the guy?
2: They did. Um, This is another, this is one of the things that I think is most important for people to understand about the legal system is it's never, ever like you think it's going to be. And each case is different and there's a lot of convoluted pieces and parts to it. Um, But so, yeah, the next steps were after I slept for a while, the detective that was assigned to my case called and said we have found some suspects that fit the description and I had to pick them out uh, pick him out but they brought instead of me going this was one good thing they did is instead of bringing me back to the station or having those people brought in they brought photographs of everyone oh, okay. to how, my house.
0: How did they know where to look? they just go to the party and the say- The
2: vicinity, yeah. The people who knew the people at the party and- And
0: just on yeah. the description, like, oh, these, yep. these three people kind of fit the description. Yeah. So someone said, oh, yeah, John was there and Frank was there. And yeah. They went to those people. Yeah. Okay.
2: And then it got their images and then the detective brought that to the house and then I- Immediately, I was like, that's him right there, you know. Um, The the hard part was that he did not, um, they did not apprehend him for like three or four weeks. And I had to go back to Seattle to work. So also like in, unbelievable, I lost my job. I wasn't, I did go on disability for a while, but couldn't return um, in time to keep my job. Why'd Um,
0: you lose your job?
2: Uh, well, just because I, and so I tried to go back to work and, um, you know, I had to tell I was, I was a week late coming back from my vacation. So I had to tell my boss what happened and then I just wasn't able to function. Like I was crying all the time. You just know? like in
0: the, in the,
2: yeah, you just can't function. Like I felt so bad and unbelievable. That's the hardest part is when you're like reeling from this there are still people out there that are like, "Where's my coffee?" You know?" Or like they have their different like normal agenda <laughs>
3: yeah. of what they well,
2: need from the world or how they want you to behave, and you're just not in that place. Like right. my boss or coworkers that knew would come sometimes to just check on me. like all it took was someone to say, "Are you okay? how are you doing today?" And I just start crying. And so I'd no
0: like, one offered, oh, "Hey, yeah. how about take a few weeks off?"
2: That's what my boss ended up doing. She was amazing, and she was like, you know, you can take disability, and so I did that. Um, but you know, honestly, I w- was not really like because I was still going through the legal system, and and I w- had PTSD, and I couldn't sleep at night because it happened. Like I woke up, so like sleeping is really tough for me.
0: Did you have a therapist at the time?
2: Um. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Was your therapist helpful?
2: Not really. Like honestly, she was okay, but she was, she was more of a psychologist that would like sit there and just listen and not.
0: Mm. So we have a lot of therapists, half of the listeners are therapists. What would you tell them that they should do?
2: Um, I think be a little more engaged. You know, I just felt like she was just kind of waiting for the hour to be over. Really? In a way, like— You just
0: went through something horrific, and you yeah. just got the, the impression like she was— and she'd be
2: like, well, see you next week. And maybe that was—maybe I don't have an accurate memory of what it was like, because I was so in turmoil. But she did end up diagnosing me um, with PTSD to help with the— um, which I had, but also helped with the disability.
0: Well, I suspect... And then
2: also while the trial was going on, the defense attorneys subpoenaed my notes, and I had a private investigator following me around, which I didn't know until we were wrapping up.
0: Who sent the investigator?
2: The defense attorneys. Oh, my God. So they were like, I didn't know someone was following me around. What did
0: the private investigator find?
2: Nothing, because I did nothing, you know, because that's the one thing that was so... That I could Th- hold on They were on probably to. trying
0: to find you, like... Drinking and having sex, yeah, right? As if, as if like, that is relevant,
2: right? They were probably—I the don't know—they were looking for anything they could get, but like, what could you possibly I, find? Nothing.
0: There, you know, can we think of anything that would hold up as
1: a defense that could be anything? <laughs> like, yes, I can think of something. She regularly stalks the night streets with <laughs> with fake kits to plant evidence, yeah. and and yeah, like, right. Frame people. Right. Like, seriously, because um, let's say that... She drinks you, a lot. Like, she has whoever. sex a lot. They, they're she, out every night partying. They do yeah. drugs. They're embezzling it, 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 funds from the bank. Irrelevant. 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 <laughs> totally.
2: It was very but baffling. But convincing to a jury. Right. And I did not know until everything wrapped up that my, my prosecuting attorney... Um, spied on you. ...told me that the d- defense spied on me. The only things that they got a hold of that they thought would be helpful in their case was that I was on antidepressants. And so they were like, you must be crazy and making this all up. And I was like, "How? (laughs) okay, you know, this was during the deposition. And then they asked me if I'd ever accused someone of sexual crime before. And I was like, yeah, when I was five years old, my mom drove me to the police station to report my molestation. and Aha, the guy, there's a pattern. That's exactly. They were like, so you've made a false report before. A false report?
0: <laughs> Wait, they said a false report? Right, so... I was like... Wh- that, when you're on the stand?
2: No, this was um, in the deposition room. Okay. So, um, uh,
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, but that was traumatic, too.
2: T- oh, my God. There was De- nothing more traumatic. My, my cat had died a week before my deposition, and I was like, I'd oh. had her for 15 years. I was in total grief. I had ugh. to fly home to Kansas. I hated being in the same city where it happened. I had n- never actually met my prosecuting attorney in person until that day. Um, I had two men across the table from me just... Blasting you. Blasting me with a stenographer in the room, and my mom couldn't come in the room. It was just They're, me and my... Ugh.
0: They're the, dominating you. Yeah. They're accusing you of things. Yeah. Uh one could say mentally raping you again.
2: Yeah,
1: De- delegitimizing your trauma from when you were little.
2: Like five years old. Yeah. I mean, that my that the guy who molested me when I was five years old told me that if I didn't, if I told anyone, he would kill my parents. So I didn't tell for a long time because so it went on. But then when I accidentally said something that my mom caught, we figured it out and moved forward. And my mom, my dad was like, "She'll forget," but my mom was like. We were going to go to the police because there was another little girl that was reporting the same thing because he used to take us in there together. Um, and uh, oh, so God. we were going to the police station. I cried the whole way to the police station because I thought they were going to put me in jail. At five years old, I'd already internalized victim blaming. Right? right. You know, I knew that it was I was the bad one. Um, or my mind couldn't get around all the things that were happening. But right. the, and, and to be the clear, man skipped town, so like we couldn't ever pursue it.
0: So to be clear about the mechanism, or to speculate about how a five-year-old could internalize that, because it's like, well, it's not like they're TV shows depicting kids accusing people of rape and being put in jail. The messages to kids is that pretty much anything sexual is shameful. Yes. Anything about your body, particularly to young girls, is shameful. And so... It's not a hard, it's not a leap to say, to do this, um, surely, uh, it's, a, it's a, such an extension of, you know, uh, the shameful talk that right. surely I'm going to
1: be put in jail. For, well, you for haven't even reason. had that shameful talk. It's even worse than that at five because, like, you know, I had never had a sexual talk with anyone at five. But you were given
0: messages that your body and that sexuality was shameful.
2: Don't talk to strangers.
0: Well, and also don't yeah. talk about sex. Get,
2: little girls get a lot more, which is unfortunate well, because I listened to your podcast yeah. on the sex slavery situation. And yeah. I really thought his point was really important that, like, women are taught to hover over and protect and tell their small girls to watch out. But nobody does that for boys. Right.
1: Yeah, certainly I don't remember people telling me anything about strangers at all. But my point is that all I learned about sex I learned from my abuser in that moment. So, you know, it's like mine was a little different in that I didn't have a fear of authorities or it never crossed my mind, oh, this is something I should report. What I thought, though, was this is our little secret. And I certainly can't let daddy or anyone know... Because we'll all be in trouble.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But it wasn't like an authorities like cops. It was in trouble with the adults, you
3: know?
2: Oh, yeah. But I
1: certainly thought of that, like... Because all my right. memories were very pleasant. Oh, like, yes. oh, this is a cool club I'm in, right? But I certainly had that feeling of, oh, but I can never mention this because we'd all be in trouble.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: So then they convict him. No. Oh.
2: So then... um we go through trial. Well, first, before, I had gotten a call while I was at work saying they weren't going to prosecute. And I'd already talked to my detective and who took the man's statement. And my detective said he has a partial confession. He said he's sorry. He knew what he did was wrong. So, like, he pretty much confessed, at least partially. But then he kind of started going, but I, but I, but I didn't do it like she said. And, like, I guess were, they never let me read it. But he did tell me this. And I was like waiting for the results. I called the hospital to wait for the results from the urine um, to see if it had shown positive for date rape drugs. And they said, oh, that's been sent out for testing. It'll be about six weeks or something. And um, I talked to my detective and told him this. And he called the hospital and he called me back and he said, they're lying to you. They threw it out. And so I was like, what? You know? And, but all this is kind of happening. And then the attorney's office calls me and says, we're not prosecuting. This is too much of a he said, she said case. And I was like, what? I was like, what about the It's drugging? not a he
0: said, she said. It's a uh, criminal saying he didn't do it.
2: Exactly. Uh, how
0: many criminal? It's not he said, she said. It's victim, uh, criminal said.
2: Mm-hmm. How about
0: you know, we think about that.
2: Right. And here's the thing is, uh, I saw, how about,
0: I saw that man break into my house and take my TV uh, and he had a gun and, and that's the guy. Uh, How many times it's like, well, you know, he said, she said.
2: Right. And that's the thing (laughs) that made me so mad is I was like, what you're saying is what he says matters more than what she says. Right. Or,
3: yeah,
1: or equally or
2: something. Yes. It's
1: like, He's the criminal, right. not equally, because they didn't take him and put stuff in his anus, yeah. right? And he he yeah. he, he it, is it a is it a mystery that he's gonna
4: lie and say he didn't
1: do
2: it?
0: Like, uh, is that mind-boggling to you?
2: But then my detective said, the reason they do this, he's like, Christy, they just, he's like, honestly, if you got a pile of rape cases on the corner of your desk, just push it into the trash can, because they do not want to fuck with it. They do, don't care. They don't want to go through the time it takes. They don't want to have, and the, the attorneys that prosecute these cases and the defense attorneys, they're voted in. I forget what that means, but they're like voted in and they want a win record. So right. everybody's more concerned about themselves than they are about the victim. Am I going to win this case? Is that going to look good on my record? Like Because they get about? elected. Yes. by, by Elected the, official. That's right. what it is. Exactly. So basically my, I fought and I said, I want to talk to your higher up, this is wrong. I know there's a partial confession. And he was like, there is? And I was like, oh, my God, they never even read. They just didn't read it. And so I finally got someone who did it.
0: They are largely underfunded. Overworked. And overworked, underfunded, mainly. We need more prosecutors, essentially. Uh, So, again, it's a systemic problem. Yep. the Prosecutors aren't evil. It's we do not pay enough taxes Or we put taxes towards stupid things and not towards things like this. Yeah.
1: That's the problem. But you know what would solve it is tax cuts. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Right. For the rich. Um, But no. So then it was like, I I was just like, I can't. Oh, and that that was the moment when I was like, what do you mean you're not going to prosecute? And they were like, well, I was like, I said I want to. And they were like, well, rape's a crime against the state, not against you. So you don't really get to decide that. Then which is, which is just, technically
0: true. I mean, it
2: is a hundred percent true, yeah. and it kind of harkens back to like women being property, right? So.
0: And again, the uh, if it was a different sort of a case, yeah, um, that was traditionally not related to gender or uh, even towards males, mm-hmm. the uh, or towards upper class males. Let's right. just put it because my way.
2: rapist was an attorney, also. Really? Yes.
0: Uh, So that's interesting. So the part of it is the sexism in our society is just a general, even for women prosecutors, Mm -hmm. is a general discounting of crimes that happen to women. Totally. Um, And that isn't even to point out, I believe, that statistically, as a person of color, you're more likely to be raped than a a non-person of color as a poor person you're more likely to be raped than mm-hmm. a rich person as a marginalized person as a lgbtq person you're more likely to be mm-hmm. raped than a straight cis person um and guess what totally in line with our oppression and marginalization of the, of these groups right and uh when they speak up uh, one we, people don't listen two they've been taught not to speak up you know women have been taught to just put up with it. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so yeah, it's, it's just... Uh, and can okay.
2: we also talk about the, the men who get off of rape? White men. White men are the primary rapists, right, like and the, white men are the ones who get off. We still have yeah. this kind of story in our culture online that it's the men of color that are going to rape you, but it's right. actually white men, but they don't get brought to trial. Right. But Brock the Turner ones,
0: is in the news recently. exactly, uh, And he was the judge let him off because he was a good college kid who was on the swim team (laughs) and came from a good family. I think he literally said something like that during (laughs) sentencing. It's like, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? So you're saying that if he was black and he didn't go to college and he uh, came from what you consider to be a bad family, like then you put him in jail? Literally. Literally, Absolutely. How does that make any sense? (laughs) Um, So... So they never prosecuted him. They did. So oh.
2: then I, I pushed. I went up the ladder. I actually called the DA. I was just at this point, like when I see that's the other thing is like when I see, um, unbelievable. Injustice? Oh, um, yeah. When I saw the show, unbelievable. I was like, there's so many women I know that would have given up at this point, and it's not anything wrong with right? them. It's just it's exhausting. It's it's but so much
0: safer and easier to give yes. up. Yes. Yeah.
2: But something in me just. Flipped. I was just like rage. I was like, no, this can't be how this is. And I just would not stop. I was like, I need to talk to this person. I need to talk to that person. And when the hospital told me that they threw my urine away because it quote unquote goes bad. I called Quantico and talked to some forensic specialist huh. in Virginia. And he was like, that's bullshit. So for they those who don't know, you. it's
0: FBI headquarters.
2: Yeah, nice. it was the FBI. Um, I talked to, like, I could not believe Good the dude you. totally answered the phone. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, oh, my God. I was like, I'm so excited. But, I mean, I pushed and Hol- then Holden I, I
3: yeah. finally
2: got this female attorney agree to take my case and prosecute. And she was like, you know, this is not going to be a therapeutic experience. This is going to be very painful. Um long story short like deposition year and a half drag out um finally court date is set worrying because he's you know not in prison and knows that i'm accusing him of this so i felt really scared a lot like if i was safe um
0: Totally. I mean, I would like, be paranoid. I mean, I of thought that. he was
2: going to kill me the morning of. of
0: yeah, and he's an and attorney. Then, what if he plants evidence? how right. He knows his way around th- this sort of world. All of it. He, he could take my house and my car and yeah. ruin my life. Like he's got yeah. power and friends and
2: yeah, yeah. I'd be and really. By scary. the time we got to where the trial date was set. I'd already lost my job and my house because I couldn't afford the house I was living in anymore. Wow.
0: And you I were was, just like unbelievable.
2: Seriously. Like, it's hard to watch that. The only thing that's different is she caved and had to because she didn't have anybody and I know I had some feisty friends I had some other friends that did what her friends did too I had one friend that was like I don't believe you I had another friend tell me that they didn't want to hear me talking about it anymore
0: so tell me about that I had another
2: friend tell me that they thought I was going to hurt her she thought I was going to hurt her small boy children because I was so quote-unquote mad at men and I was like I'm not mad at men I'm just mad that I was raped and and she made me the dangerous person and wow. and I was heartbroken. Yeah. I lost so many friends over yeah. this cuz I remember being with that group of friends early on and I was trying to kind of plaster a smile on and be normal again cuz I really wanted to be and we were at like a Christmas cookie baking thing and something happened I just started crying again and oh. I remember looking at my friends it's sad but it's also kind of funny cuz I was like bawling my eyes out and i was like i'm still fun right (laughs) and they were like yeah yeah honey you're fun so but i wasn't
0: (laughs) one of your friends didn't believe you several like uh, what was that process
2: you know just like i you're crazy i don't believe you why
0: Um, why would they
2: i don't know and honestly i will say that's one of the things that i understand more deeply now about people not believing and this is why i love that they titled this unbelievable is when i was young i had a Family member that said that she was raped, and I remember thinking, "Nah, she's lying. That didn't happen." Yeah. Why do we do that? Did that, mm-hmm. and I hate myself for well, her. like she, I why? didn't tell her that, but I held that thought. So I knew people around me held it, and then there were ones that would just say it. Why know?
0: do people do that?
2: I think that people don't want to believe the world is like that. That they are. Going to be hurt too. I think that um, they don't know how to respond, and it's like a denial, just shut down. Like it's it's the way we don't understand. Like when you see real denial in action, it's just like, what is that?
1: Absolutely. So like one example is with disease. Like <laughs> when you're around your friends or people, your family and stuff, you generally want everyone to be doing okay. Yeah, you, we're selfish, narcissistic. So. so you kind of want to be doing at least as well or maybe better than everyone around you. Mm -hmm. But if you talk to someone and they start in with a sob story about whatever, a lot of us go uh, internally like, oh, this is not, I'm uncomfortable. Why can't you just say things are okay and move on with? And then it's like, well, I've been diagnosed with cancer. I'm going to start chemo. Oh, Uh, and of course, externally, you might say, oh, that's really terrible. But internally, you're like, stop, stop talking. Yes. I don't want to deal with this, right? I think this is sort of like this, where it's like, whoa, 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 I can't deal with this. But mm-hmm. their external reaction is, I bet you that's not even real. Yeah. You know, it's it's so bizarre. Not to mention, coupled with sexism and internalized mm-hmm. oppression, all these well, things. And,
2: and a lot of women have actually been victimized right. and shoved it down, and when right. I tell them mine, they have to remember theirs, mm. and they're just like, no. Right. Yeah, no,
0: yeah." and men. Yeah. Uh, men, men yes. pe- A lot of people have been uh, violated, and have learned it's better to shove it down yeah and then yeah exactly uh and or uh there are people who have victimized other people in various different ways and to engage in a conversation like that triggers their shame around Mm. or they're either they actually did victimize people or they worried they victimized people yeah and it's just so much easier just to not talk about it yes
2: yes yes Um,
0: and uh okay so that's why you think your friends did that
2: I think so, but I mean, in the moment, it was like I was such a wreck about everything. I was just, all the raw emotions were on the outside all the time, mm. and I was just a disaster, and I was just just really hurt by what I ended up turning to was I wrote a blog under a fake name um, and ended up making like community with people who understood.
0: Mm. Was that kind of the rebuilding?
2: Yeah, that was throughout the whole process too, um, and
0: other victims, writing, other
2: victims. Yeah. Other people who understood, you know, um, there's so much solidarity in that. It can also be hard when you put victims together too soon because there's this, yeah, you've been through a similar thing, but it's very different and a weird, uh, you have a a lot of, uh, of a need to be paid attention to nurtured, loved, protected, cared about and if you're in competition for that attention in a room full of other people who are like that it doesn't go well
0: right so I want to talk about the one uh, shining moment for Marie's life yeah. or the first one is her first her, her therapist that she um, has that she's court ordered to go to so Berto is giving me the hand signal that he has to
1: leave uh, yeah, I'm you, very you, sorry I have my brothers come in from town from San Francisco and I need to go visit mm. with him okay and so you're gonna skip out and yeah. so let's take
0: a break and yeah, when we get back yeah. Berto will be gone uh, do you have any final words Berta? yeah I
1: mean I wanted to say first of all thank you so much for, for sharing it's uh, it's just incredibly brave and uh, I know you've, you've been through the story but I I'm always uh, I'm always impressed by people that can actually try to do some good with the bad things that happen to them and I've known you for a while I didn't know a lot of this stuff Uh, But I think you're just a beautiful person and a wonderful human being. And so thank you very much.
2: Thank you, Umberto. Right back at you. Yeah. All
1: right. (laughs) See you guys later.
2: Yeah.
0: All right. We're back from the break. Um, I've I've been keeping this list Mm because people have been asking me this question so often of like, what are some good depictions of therapy and TV and the movies? And surprisingly, there's very few. Uh, yes. Out of the 200 or so on the list that I have, there's only now three depictions, including unbelievable, that I believe are uh, accurate and also good depictions of therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's um, ordinary people, there's Hope Springs, which I strangely has Steve Carell as a couple's therapist. Ah. And then there's this therapist in Unbelievable. Yeah, she's great. Uh, She uh, does a lot of great things. Having said that, there are some things that I actually didn't like what she did. The first thing she did was uh, she, when there was a question, is just like, well, what are you going to do? The therapist says, well, I can help you reframe it, she said, which I cringed at because it's like, that's not what she needs to hear right now. You know, as a therapist, you need to ask the question, there's a chance that, she wasn't lying uh one two uh even if uh, you know the the point is is that when you point out to a client who's been through a lot she knew that you know even even if she did believe that it was a lie the Mm -hmm. the rape she knew she'd been through a lot in her life Mm -hmm. you don't tell a person i'm going to help you reframe it and Mm -hmm. and basically look on the bright side right uh which is not a good message to give so i cringe at that moment there, there was another cringe moment uh, in the therapy. Uh, I can't remember when it was. I have one. What was it?
2: It was uh, when she said, you know, what can we do for when, if this injustice happens again? And it's right. like, fuck you, it's happening right now.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that like, was the other <laughs> moment uh, that was cringe-worthy to me because I was thinking uh, I, that's a known thing that, that people will sort of, gravitate towards eventually through difficulty is mm-hmm. post-traumatic growth yes. is one word for it. But you never prompt clients or anyone to uh, do that. Mm-mm. They will come to that naturally. You yes. don't force people. Again, it discounts the whole thing. Like, look on the bright side. You you learned a lesson. You know, what are you going to take away from this? Um, there are times when I ask questions like that, but it's after I know they're fully in that zone. They're in that right. space. You don't you don't spring that on somebody.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, having said that, she did a lot of really great things, like she didn't get frustrated when Marie didn't want to talk. Yep. it's a very common thing for a court ordered abused system kid to be like, uh, I, "I've been in so much therapy, I'm sort of done. Everyone has failed me. Every, I've had fifteen other therapists fail me before you. I I, I have to be here. Can't can't I just sit here silently?" And mm-hmm. she was totally cool. She's like, yep, you can just sit here and we'll just sit here. And then when there was an in, I, I don't know how many sessions in, then that began the conversation and that began the trust. And uh, she opened up and then she believed her. She she was like, I 100% believe you. Yes, That um, I, you don't need to convince me. Uh, you went through a rape. And she, she didn't assume wow well, she's just you know it's she's lying to me you know mm-hmm. it, it was easy for her to believe that that mm-hmm. story um, and so there are a lot of good things about that and I was actually listening to a podcast I think the nPR like pop culture podcast or I can't remember which one and they were talking about this show and they were talking about this therapist and they were talking about how this therapist was the platonic ideal of a thera- of a therapist, mm-hmm. which implies that this therapist is somehow like strangely good. Oh, like yeah. I mean, this therapist was like the perfect therapist. You know what I mean? And I'm like, no. Not only did she have some cringe moments that I was like, uh, if you had better training or you had better consultation, you would not have said that. Um, But also, uh, she is doing what most therapists know what to do, and Mm -hmm. and the reason why this reviewer thinks that this therapist is like on the high end of the competency curve It's because of all the other terrible depictions. I mean, it right. really saddens me to think of the general population mm. believing that therapists are the way that they're depicted in the media.
2: That's so bad. Yeah, she didn't try to have sex with her. Right? Yeah. That's the big one. Yeah, it's
0: but... like a big shock. Right. It's you know, usually where it goes. Um, uh, so uh, anyway, so you um, are – Man, I mean, I've I never i I've known bits and pieces of the story. And incidentally, I want to point out that uh, this is a story in addition to other uh, survivorships that you've been through and yeah. advocacy that you've done. You know, this grew, and I want to hear more about the advocacy mm-hmm. that eventually leads to you standing, I believe, in front of a crowd of people in Seattle. Yeah. Uh, at a podium, yep. telling your story and and really uh, moving people and and helping a lot mm-hmm. of other coming forward and being that shining beacon of of uh, a safe place and an advocate, a true advocate for all the injustices that you've been through up until that mm-hmm. point. And as a student, you were a star student. You were always really engaged, and you know were talented as a novice therapist. And I nominated you for Student of the Year mm-hmm. at, for our, you know, local uh, professional association. You won it, and a big part of my nomination for you was right. this extra work that you're doing. I come across a lot of really good students that work hard, good therapists, but it's another thing to like put yourself on the line, stand up on, in front of the crowd, uh, take on the hatred, yeah. open yourself up to the internet. Open yourself up to the criticism all over again, uh, because you've gotten to a point where you're strong enough to to step forward. You're knowledgeable enough. You have the support system, and you're actually going to try to make the world a better place. Yep. Um, this is what uh, is noble about you know your your decision, and uh, sets you apart from other star students. And so that's why I was happy to nominate you for, for that yeah,
2: thank l- you, you know little
0: little token um, so tell us you know how what was your process with that
2: with that um,
0: uh, the advocacy process. The
2: advocacy process um, well first I'll also say I just want to thank you for that and I remember talking with you I don't know if you remember me saying this but I remember Maybe I didn't really say it very clearly, but I kind of snuck in like there's a little part of me that worries that I'm getting nominated for this because I've like a pity nomination because I've had a tough time in life. And I do that a lot with anything that's kind of given to me around this stuff. And I've learned to fully take it in. And that's really one of the first times that I I actually did. Um, I would also say that working with you and some other experiences I've had with you where you've had my back has really helped change my schema in the world. Hmm. You know?
0: Yeah. I remember you saying that you'd be like, after we would talk or something, you'd email me or something. You'd be like, you're, you're really rewiring my brain a- around men. You are. And an authority.
2: Yes. <laughs> so much so. Um, I mean, I know and just a quick side note, like, like there was something a while back that I was scared of and, I wasn't asking for help, and you said I was like, "No, no, no, I don't need any help." And you're like, "What time? Do you, what time is your appointment or whatever?" And you were well, there. Do you want
0: to do you want tell that story? Because it yeah, might I mean, be is helpful it is it weird to, so I mean, it's kind of interesting because thera- therapists are out there, yes. probably in so. The story situation.
2: was that there were at least, from what I know, two therapists attacked in Seattle, sexually right. assaulted in their offices by. Uh, and that was obviously not doing okay. We don't really, I don't have a lot of information about him other than right. what well, was he, supposedly his picture. And
0: So he was posting a lot on Twitter or something yeah. about how he was actually uh, going to harm therapists. He's like, I'm going to make mm-hmm. appointments with therapists and I'm going to get them or something like that. Yeah. And then he did. He would make mm-hmm. appointments with therapists with the intent of uh, uh, making them, of, of assaulting them. And he would make appointments with women, and he would grab them, and uh, you know, yep. kind of shove them around. I think he
2: raped one, okay. or both possibly, but.
0: And and these were the ones who actually came forward and yeah. and and reported it, and there. Was an investigation and the police weren't acting very quickly about it typical and
2: a lot of other
0: therapists (laughs) so became aware like on Facebook or something of like so Mm. watch out for this guy and then other people oh my god he called me and he creeped me out oh my god he actually assaulted me right so there's this guy that's on the that's on you know at large it kind of got into the news a little bit right Yep. Um what was the solu- what was the resolution
3: as to Probably
2: story? nothing unfortunately. I mean, I I never heard. I had to kind of disconnect from panicking about it um, for my own benefit, but and then, you know, like most contact- things I just he did contact um, when I was at Modern Therapy. Okay. Um So
0: he contacted you to try to make an appointment with you.
2: Right. Um, and
0: you knew b- better to not
2: Well, it went through um, Kate. She sent an email out. So she said this man reached out to to make an appointment with one of our therapists. It could have been me, but she just kind of said, there's this.
0: So because she just was aware of the internet, knew to screen this guy out. Yeah. And... So you were pretty rattled by that.
2: Very. I remember talking with you and being like, I'm scared because I know that nobody cares and no one's going to do anything about this. And I'm worried when is it going to happen.
0: Right. And then you had made an appointment with a new uh, client, a new male client who you didn't have any reason to suspect. Yeah. But you obviously would be scared. I was scared. And and I think you had like tiny little hints of like well maybe something
2: didn't quite add up yeah
0: it wasn't overt but it was you know just natural and you were like i think i might want to cancel this appointment with this new client tomorrow because i don't know if i can deal with this you know today so um long story short i was just like well how about i just Be in your lobby, you know, and then I'll just be riding on the side of the door. And if anything happens, just scream, and I'll I'll be there. Right? Um, I told you, I don't know how good of a fighter I am, but um, I'll be another human being. You know, I mean, Uh, I
2: got my baseball bat.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was right. You had it's a very fancy, uh, like uh, embroidered kind of, but it could wallop someone. Carved
2: and painted from Mexico. It's actually the perfect bat.
0: uh, size and heft because a, a full baseball bat is kind of long to hit someone mm-hmm. you're just a little you're just like actually like a like a police baton yeah it's
2: kind of small yeah
0: you could really whack someone with it but anyway so it looks like <laughs> it, it looks like this nice little like um decoration
2: it totally does
0: but it seconds as uh Christie's, uh you know uh get back to if you get too <laughs> right, close. Exactly. Um and so uh so I had the time and I th- and I thought to myself, well, if all it takes is for me just to be there and mm-hmm. that will set her mind at ease, mm-hmm. then pff, you know, no brainer. Yeah. And and so um so I did that and I and you know, you everything went fine and
2: But the funny thing was is this is what I remember the most is that I said no, no, no. I think you even messaged me the, the night before, and you were like, "What time's that client?" And I said, 9, Nine nine a.m. or whatever." And I said, "You know what? I think I'm fine. I'm. I've got the bat. I. I, I have a plan. I think I'm going to be okay." And you were like, "C eight thirty, something like that." And I was like, "Okay, <laughs> I guess you're coming." Yeah, I mean, and it, it was hard for me to accept that kind of support, yeah. but it was an incredible correctional experience for me. For you to be there and care, it kind of mirrors what happened in Unbelievable. Like mm. this is where the schemas shift, right? Like she didn't feel like anyone would believe her or care or fight for her, but those detectives did, mm. and we don't have a lot of those out there, mm. and so.
0: And it's okay. not that people aren't willing to fight; it's that they don't know the landscape. So when you told me, "Yeah, um, nah, nah, I got it, I'm fine." I knew I know you very well yeah. and uh, had known even particularly that moment because we talked about it during that day. Yes. And I knew. Lots no, of crying. She's just she's <laughs> just saying that, you know what I mean? She, she she It's not like in the last hour somehow her traumas went away. <laughs> um, so I yeah. know her. She's trying to be nice. Yeah, you know, I didn't want to
2: be a burden. She's
0: trying to she's trying to be a nice person and she's trying to give the impression that everything's fine and she doesn't want to put me out uh i can't convince her of that in this moment so i'm just going to be there and if she, if if she really doesn't like it she'll let me know i would have
2: said something but like you were like i'll be there and yeah. i was and i think i needed that little and i was like okay like i think if i said no 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 and like kept saying you'd probably be like all right oh, okay. fine but like, you'd
0: be like no no really i actually don't want you there because you're right. going to freak me out right. you know, or whatever <laughs> at all but it made okay.
2: me so comfortable that you were there and we got to like chat for a little bit before The client came, and that really helped soothe my nerves. And then you said, "I'll I'll even sit outside the door for a little while." I think you were going to sit outside the door for like a half an hour or something, or maybe most of the session. Mm -hmm. Um, And honestly, I don't really didn't have many people do anything like that for me in my life, so I really appreciate that.
0: Again, people want to. Yeah, but. (laughs) They don't know to.
2: No, they don't know to. And And that's what she's saying is like in, in unbelievable. She's kinda of saying like people wanna believe that right. they're good, people wanna help, but sometimes they just don't know how. Right. Or they can't. Right. But sometimes they can. And being open to allowing someone to help you is part of the healing process too.
0: And the only reason why I knew if you would have rewound the clock twenty years or ten years, I wouldn't have known. What I have learned is through my treatment of people who have been through horrible events um I have learned uh the premises that informed my uh, actions in that moment to disregard your uh attempts to deburden me <laughs> you know. um I knew now I'm pretty sure. You know, this is what's happening. Yeah, I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't been taught by actual human beings and I guess maybe even my own sort of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And that's because we have failed as a society to pay attention to this. It's not rocket science. It's something that can be in our culture and understood and talked about and portrayed In movies and TV, um, so that everyone can be like, "Oh, so that's a thing." Like uh, when you pressure people and scare them, they will they'll to get out of it. They'll just say they lied. You know, right? Uh, I didn't know that was a thing. You know, why would you admit you lied about something? It seems like if if unless you lied, why would you admit you lied? Oh, you see, unbelievable. You get oh, I get it. Right. She's terrified.
2: That's why this is so important. Right,
0: making a murder with the you know the Dassey kid. Right. Uh, in his what is believed to be a false right uh, confession.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It, it, you wouldn't intuit that. Right. You, you need to be educated on that.
2: I think that's kind of the problem too. Like even back to the to the justice system pieces. Like, I remember being really scared to go to trial because. I thought, what if they, you know, because I knew it was a possibility that he would get off. And I thought, what if that happens? Is everyone going to think I'm lying, you know, or is that going to fuel that? Um, I, I knew for some reason I could just always hold on to my own truth. Like, I knew what happened. And I knew I needed to do everything I could. So I never... Even if people didn't believe me, as time went on, I understood why they didn't and what victim blaming is and how we don't know how to deal with this. And I would just hold on to my own truth. And that was a comfort to me. Um, But when it came down to. I was hoping to have the trial with the jury and there were all kinds of things, too. Like I call it victim performativity, where they want you to perform the right way like a victim. This came up for Marie in unbelievable where she didn't perform the way someone might expect they would or um, victims should or maybe what we see on TV. Right. And um, that's a problem. Like, I remember being coached by my attorney saying, now, when you get on the stand, cry a little- but don't cry too much because <laughs> if you don't cry at all, they're going to think you don't have any feelings about it. And if you cry too much, they're going to think you're crazy. Right. And I was like, are you kidding me? You know, and I was just really nervous about the whole thing, but I really wanted my day in court. I wanted to say what happened. Um, I wanted to see, to see it through. Um, but because rapes a crime against the state, um, my attorney, Decided to take a plea bargain, which I did not want, um, and I didn't get a choice in that. Um, And she, in fact, told me that she wouldn't take it until she talked any pleas until she talked to me. But she did anyway, and so I got an email, (laughs) like while I was at school, I'm sitting in the library, and I got an email saying that they're accepting a plea to a lesser charge of felonious restraint, which is basically. Kind of like kidnapping, but like the way he was holding me on the couch, like I could have suffocated. So that was like the reasoning behind it. Like I was, I was held against my will.
0: So this avoids him being a sex offender designated as a sex offender
2: or a rapist. And so he pled guilty, even though
0: it's, and it's like absolutely a sexual offense
2: and it's not even what happened. Like, I mean, how did I, I was like, I thought the law was a place to find the truth, but it's not. It's and a why place does it to need make to up be plea what's bargained? convenient for everyone.
0: Why does it need to be plea bargain?
2: I never understood they, that. You
0: have a victim.
2: I think they knew he was going to be guilty. An
0: account um, of what happened. Well, I think what the prosecutor thought was the jury wouldn't believe you.
2: That or like I actually think she just wanted to be done, and I think the other people, like he, he pled guilty to a to a felony. I think class C felony, um, which he was disbarred. Um, but that was really all that happened. Like, he never spent a day in jail. What? Not a single one. He um, was, got sex sexual offender counseling for a year
0: even though he didn't technically say.
2: right even though legally that's not what happened supposedly and he was never listed as a sex offender right. Um. so no jail time no sex offender status have you
0: ever googled him or anything? uh
2: yeah he's pretty low profile out there and um, you know it's it, he was in the room this was the other thing that made me really mad was so she told me there was a plea. I would already had my flights set to come home for the trial date. This was like early March in 2008. And uh, they were like, well, you can read an impact statement. And that's what you saw on an Unbelievable, a little bit of that. Um, they said, I could read this impact statement. And then the judge would take into consideration the impact it had on my life when he goes to sentence or to Dole out whatever justice was supposed to be there. The problem was was i so I went there and I gave my impact statement, standing in front of my rapist in a courtroom with a judge and the attorneys, and i said this whole thing and when i got to the end i mean it was a i think it was moving and the the judge actually sat up and he almost started to clap he like brought his hands together and he was like one clap and then he stopped himself because he's like uh that's not okay you could kind of see it cross his mind um but the thing that made me so mad was i found out shortly after that actually right out he was he was like the judge was like, now hearing this, I wish I wouldn't have accepted the deal. So they made me get up, told me that this impact statement was going to have some impact on how he was sentenced, but they'd already finalized everything. So this was all a show, just like the rape kit, just like everything else. It was all a show. Nothing really got done with it. And it, it's infuriating. And I think that's where the activism came out was I was like, I can't. I can't let more people go through this. And I can't change the fact that it happens, but I can change how we respond to it. I started teaming up with women that I met all over the country that were doing different pieces of activism. Mm -hmm. One is a woman, um, Angela Rose, who has an organization called PAVE. And, um, she educates, uh, police departments and attorneys and things like that. That's part of the work she does, but she helps to educate the response.
0: Police advocacy, victims education?
2: Yeah, yeah. Actually, the PAVE is Promoting Awareness and Victim Empowerment. Oh, okay. Um, She was uh, assaulted and kidnapped um, when she was a teenager, and he had killed all his other victims, but she got out alive somehow. Um, Really cool woman, powerhouse and these are the women that I just gravitated to. I just gravitated to my friend Kara in Kansas City. Kara probably will be listening to this, and I'm just going to say, girl, I love you so much. <laughs> and she got me connected with people in Kansas City that helped me find Beth Lowe, who was a, um, a Missouri state rep that tried to help me get legislation passed. Oh. Um, and, you know, just really started, and then I went back to school, and I felt... This community of the women around me in the women's studies department and so many of the women and young girls in that area, they'd been through stuff, too. And I was super vocal. And so they UW? Would, yeah, you UW. And they would come to me. Like, teachers would say, like, if a young girl went to the professor to say, like, I've had a sexual assault or something's happened, they would send them to talk to me. And then, um,
0: then you thought I'm going to be a therapist.
2: Well, my professor, my favorite professor, Rebecca Anna Rude, she was uh, with me through the whole process, and I started school after the rape and before the trial ended, and um, yeah, she said, you know what. Because I was like, maybe I should be a teacher. Maybe I should get a Ph.D. in feminist theory. And she was like, you know, I feel like you'd be a really good therapist. And so I started down that road because of her. And because, you know, I realized after trying to change policy and getting involved in, like, legal stuff, that changing a system and changing the policy was too painful for me because it was a reminder of everything that happened. What I really wanted to do was have the power to impact the people's lives who needed to heal. I gotta help people figure out how to live in this world and still find joy, you know? And that's really why, that's why I became a therapist. And now, like, I work with a lot of different types of issues in therapy, which I absolutely love all the variety of work I do. But boy, when I get a survivor, it's that's why I'm there, you know.
0: Do you remember your first survivor? Yes. What was that like? That was an internship.
2: Um. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, you can't give the details, but yeah.
2: Uh, it's hard not to cry. <laughs> when, in soda. session. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, what was it like for you to work with that person emotionally?
2: Oh, so wonderful because I thought, you know, I know what you need, Hmm. you know, or at least I have a better guess at it than other people do.
0: Did you guess right?
2: Yes. You know, and I was like, and I'm going to listen mostly. How'd you know that
0: you had it right?
2: Um, I think because she really opened up, you know, she was the kind of client that would just... Associate and just sit there and stare at the wall, really not even there, you know,
0: but she opened up to you,
2: mm-hmm, and I also saw her improve as because she was going through legal stuff too, and
0: did I you ever tell her. her to look on the bright side and reframe
2: <laughs> and... <laughs> no find I... the
0: the positive side <laughs> of the story <laughs> no.
2: I think, too, one thing I know as a therapist, I mean, there's so many different ways people need healing. But one of the things that I think my therapists did for me, I had the psychologist was okay, but it was really the therapist after I came back from Spain because I ended up in the middle of school. And after the trial, I was like, I don't want to live in this world. I want to go live on another planet. I used to go like I used to pull up my um, internet and do island shopping because I had this dream of just going to live on an island by myself where yeah. it was safe. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyways, I I ran away to Spain and then when I came back, I got the therapist that I'd been seeing for a long time, and she let me be angry, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of anger, mm-hmm. uh, to kind of get that out. Uh, be sad. Um, go through your own process. I mean, that's what I think you were alluding to is like people are going to come to their post-traumatic growth on their own if Mm -hmm. they're going to go that direction. Mm -hmm. You know, but it was...
0: I mean, you can throw it out there. You can be like, there's this thing called post-traumatic growth, or you can say sometimes people find like a purpose. Mm -hmm. Like I know someone who was sexually assaulted. She went through a whole bunch of horrible things. The justice system let her down therapist let her down, her friends let her down, her family let her down. Mm -hmm. But over over many, many years uh, and lots of struggle and pain, she uh, got in touch with her anger Mm -hmm. and fought back uh, and advocated and uh, tried to get laws changed and then became a therapist because she wanted to actually uh, help other victims like this. And this uh, was a uh, meaning that she derived from the trauma and terribleness that she went through.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, But that's just one story. I don't know if that's going to happen to you. (laughs) Right. But um, I just want to throw that out there as like, I don't know, maybe that'll happen. Um, I'm not saying you're supposed to like somehow turn this around right now, but I'm just throwing it out there. as like, uh, maybe that's in your distant future. I don't know. Right. Uh, you can you can throw stuff like that sure. out there for people, give people some hope or something.
2: Yeah. Sometimes you, I'll say things like, you know, you might be hearing stories like you're not gonna like sex or you're never gonna find love or the things that people tell you about how hard it's going to be. And I was like, could be true, maybe, but not it. Don't, don't take that as a prescription for your future of how things are going to be. Cause that's what I was told. And I started feeling like, wow, you know, no one's going to want me. I'm all damaged and, and I'm not going to like sex and I'm not going to, know how to love and i mean to be honest i have struggled with figuring out how to connect with people and love but but like, you're open but i'm open and and I'm, and I'm i think i'm in the most healthy spot i've ever been in my life and, and you, you know there's dis- a difference between healthy sex and sexual assault you know yeah there's a huge difference so like we don't have to write that off like sometimes i think victims think if i am happy or if i have sex and enjoy it then what happened to me wasn't that bad or people are going to think that.
3: Mm. And
2: so we we kind of parade our victimhood and pain longer sometimes. At least I felt like I had to, I think. Like maybe it was because I was under the eye of the justice system of like what how was I going to act on on what is that when you sit in the chair in front of the trial? On, <laughs> on the trial stand. on the stand.
0: Um do you tell your clients that you went through that?
2: Some. Yeah. Yeah.
0: How do they respond?
2: Really well. You know, I, I try to be very careful. I'm in a great space, so I try to be very careful about yeah. the level of disclosure and making sure that it's going to benefit them. I,
0: I can't imagine how helpful it would be for a client like Marie yeah. to hear from a, yeah. their therapist that they've been through something similar. They felt also discounted, totally uh, thrown away. By so many different people, yeah, confused, um, despair, suicidal. Yep, um, you know, looking to buy islands to, <laughs> to literally island oneself off from the rest of the world. Yeah, I was live off mangoes for the rest of your life
2: it's funny you say that because there's a poem that I read sometimes to clients and I always go back to it for myself and maybe that's where I got the island idea but it's called, the name of the poem is Island of the Raped Women Mm -hmm. but nothing about the poem talks about rape. It's like maybe we'll collect some oranges and make jam and maybe we'll watch the crabs run across the sand and maybe we'll make some sweet cream and bread and Maybe we'll talk to each other and take naps in the sun. It's all about just being really peaceful, Mm -hmm. enjoying, like, the beauty of the island, enjoying the food, enjoying each other's company, sleeping without being afraid. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just this beautiful poem. And I love that it's called Island of the Raped Women because, (laughs) I mean... Sometimes you just want to get away from what it, that definition of who you are and how that means you're supposed to suffer. Yeah. You just want to go to an island and eat orange marmalade and yeah. take a nap.
0: I think it's a common fantasy uh, that people have. I mean, I, during stressful moments of my life, have had uh, not that fantasy, but a fantasy of, like, specifically becoming a monk and living in the mountains in a cave yep. and meditating all day. It There's something about that fantasy of an indication of stress and of societal um, oppression. Mm
2: -hmm. Did
0: this show provide cathartic release for you?
2: Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, I watched it with a a sharp eye, though, too, because I was like...
0: This better not fuck it up. Yeah.
2: (laughs) I was like, please don't mess this up, you know?
0: The worry I had at the very end was they were going to show Marie finding a man. Ah. you know what I mean? Yes. And that was going to be like the
2: or a woman or anybody other or than yeah, herself,
0: so, someone to fall <laughs> in love with, right? And that was going to solve that was going to be an indication of yeah. of her healing. And I was like, please don't make her
3: right, because
0: you know, I'm sure she did at some point, And apparently she did. She got married and had kids, right? But I was like, don't have that be the the riding off into the sunset right. with with the man, right? Um, that didn't happen. But anyway, the. A lot of people who haven't been through experiences mm-hmm. like yours say that this show is has a very cathartic release at the end. Yes. Uh, satisfaction yeah. of much frustration up until that point. Yeah. Was that true for you?
2: Yeah. It was funny because it came on the heels of the schema therapy, and I don't want to say too much in case listeners haven't seen the end. But um, I relate to her, mm. you know, in a lot of ways and in that freedom cathartic ending um, there were things about it that I, I was like that would not like I was like they didn't really talk to someone who's been raped enough <laughs> to like my biggest criticisms were only there was one scene where the detective shows up at her work to apologize and right. I was like no rape victim is going to stand outside at night alone with a man who'd already hurt her hmm. that and and i would have run i would have run away right. like I, there was that and then there was or even
0: work alone at night
2: yeah work alone at night no i mean maybe she didn't have much choice definitely at that yeah. age and trying to get by but i was like there was a lot of things like that where i was like no, you know, and then I also... There was one scene that was really important where somebody at her work cornered her, yeah. and that guy knew that he could do something to her and no one would believe her. Right. And then there was the other scene that really broke my heart where she wanted to hang out with the foster dad, and he was like, I can't hang out with you alone because right. I'm afraid you're going to accuse me. That was pretty real, though. Yeah. I think that's that happens. But the other things that I was like that I thought were there was one other thing I thought was really good and then there was one that I thought was kind of bad and that was as much as it was a delight to see two female cops actually dig and care I was like don't get people's hopes up that that's how things go right. too much like nice idea you know but and then, true and true and then and then in the end like the the sentencing was not kind of what you would expect sometimes but i hope i'm not should i not tell too much no more? i'm just
0: general yeah um,
2: general and then the other thing what, but though, possible
0: i mean the sentencing could have happened that way
2: yeah oh but, i believe but, in that but, case it but could you have. don't
0: want people to get their hopes up because around right. the same time you went through a situation yeah that was probably more typical yeah where that's not the way it happened
2: and it, one of the things that was interesting about this too was They chose, I mean, and it was a true story, so they went with that. But we're talking about multiple women and multiple rapes. I remember the judge, when he um, got done listening to my impact statement, he addressed my rapist. And he said, if you ever do this to another woman, I'm putting you away for many, many years and I remember thinking, yeah, but then I was like, wait a second, why am I not enough? Right. Why is just one woman not enough? We've got to like throw it. Does it have to be like a deal and yeah. like lots of women getting raped, yeah. you know? And you then, get one
0: chance. You yeah. Can, you can rape one person. Right. Okay. Okay. Freebie. Yeah. Uh, next one, you know.
2: I actually created a piece of artwork that was a, a you know how like at coffee shops, they give you the punch card? And it was like, your first rape's free. Wow. And then that was, it was the idea is like, welcome to the state of Missouri. The first rape is free. Wow. Get five rapes on this card, and we might send you to jail. You know, that's how I felt. Like, I mean,
0: the the thing to, again, uh, you know, I'm not an expert on the justice system, but my take on it is that for me, Mm -hmm. in terms of what I would like people to be taken off the streets are mm-hmm. violent criminals yes uh, someone who smell who, someone who uh, smells and uh, sells uh, crack cocaine or whatever i don 't care no uh, you know citation whatever right. but they're not what i 'm worried about no. i don 't worry about someone selling marijuana Mm-mm. out of their house in you know Idaho uh, what I am worried about is someone who uh, Likes or thinks it's okay mm-hmm. to assault people's bodies. Yeah, those those sorts of people, I think, uh, need to be dealt with very uh, uh, soundly. Yeah, either now I don't know if it's jail time or treatment or monitoring or probation. I don't care. But of the higher end consequences, mm-hmm. murderers, people who get angry and shoot a gun out of anger people who brandish a knife people who rape people people who threaten to kill people those are the people I don't want around me
4: Mm -mm. I don't
0: care like I said if even if someone you know uh, insider trading uh, embezzling exactly uh, you know those are bad (laughs) Bad. they need consequences but uh, why are people who you know sell marijuana five times and they're in jail for literally the rest of their life in some states Mm -hmm. And then you have people who repeatedly assault people in various different ways, and they're on the streets. Yeah. Uh, it just boggles the mind.
2: Right. It's it's baffling, you know, yes, to see, like, rapists will get out so early. Like, that's the other thing is I think the the max sentence lately is, like, really around 6 years often get out around 3 some people don't even go they just have probation sometimes they're in and, in and out in 6 months and
0: who the thing is is like okay obviously someone's making that choice yeah. as or a group of people are making that choice i don't think any american republican or democrat no is behind that way of thinking
2: no i don't know what's going on like
0: what's wrong with them yes you know like you'd think they would want to stand up and be like, I am the hero who took this rapist off the street. Right. What's this compulsion to go easy on them?
2: Yeah. And it makes me, I used to get so mad because I would, I would turn on the news and I would hear a story about a young girl that got kidnapped, raped and murdered and everybody would be like aghast, like, Oh, how could this happen? I'm like, I can tell you how it happens. That dude's done this before and gotten off and that, and a lot of times I do have a previous record, and it's like...
0: Because there's an escalation yeah, in one's behavior. Yes. You
2: know? I would also say, though, like the police or the police, the justice system, or like I've grappled a lot with what the hell is justice, number one, and also is putting them in prison really helping. Right. You know, there's all that. I even felt sad for my rapist. I was like, man, I'm really sad that he's going to maybe go to jail. Like it made me worry for his welfare. Hmm. I was like sad that this whole situation. I could still have empathy for him. I don't know how. If you could say something to
0: him, what would it be?
2: Ooh, that's hard because I doubt he's listening, but like or could listen ever come across this. But oh, that's a good question. I think he already. No, i think his life is ruined the way he
0: disbarred and
2: yeah and shame and embarrassment and his family and i think i don't know i used to think i wanted him to like i wrote out what i wanted for the judge and i was like i don't know what justice is i don't know what like that's apparently not up for me to decide but I would like for him to get help so he doesn't hurt any more people and if he can't not hurt people then we need to keep him away from society. But ultimately I want and it was weird is like I wanted him to suffer as long term as I have, you know, like mm. it's really affected my life. It's I'm I'm really surfacing now into a much better space. It's thirteen years later. Yeah. That's a big chunk. And I think
0: Would you want him to know that?
2: Maybe, you know, I I would want him to know that, you know, it's, I'm not going to get another life, you know, and some of the, I've talked about this before, but I think some of the damage for me was that it was hard for me to connect to people, trust people, trust men enough to go on dates. That kind of stuff was hard for a while. And then, you know, I kind of missed the years where I could have had a baby and that's just not gonna be part of my life, and mm-hmm. I don't blame that on him, but like I always wonder what would it be like if that hadn't happened when I have like met someone and gotten married and had kids and but I'm okay with where my life has gone, you know, I'm mm-hmm. glad that I took this negative thing and tried to make it positive, and that I'm helping people, and that's the other thing like I talk about this not because. I'm so special or I want attention or I don't know, like some people say that stuff. It's more that people always say like, how can you talk about something so personal? And I'm like, if it's happening to this many people, it is not personal. (laughs) And I am a person who has a voice and I'm not afraid to use it. And some people can't use theirs because of safety because of a whole bunch of other reasons. And so since I can, and I'd like to see the culture change, and I'd like to see people understand, I'll tell my story.
0: And I think it's working. You have changed me. I haven't been through an experience like that. And although I would like to think intellectually I could have somewhat gotten here, uh, I wouldn't have been able to get 90% of the way that I have without you uh, telling your story. Um, You know, I sort of intellectually knew in the past of the uh, trials and tribulations of the rape kit and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I had no idea until you told me. And so when I saw this show,
3: mm-hmm. uh,
0: none of it was shocking to me. Right. Uh, but other than to see it actually right. was was vivid uh, a reminder yeah. of what you had already told me about.
2: That's why it's been so beautiful. This show is it like pulls up our narratives and our stories to a, a visual, visual light. For the know? first time. But yeah, it's like here is, you know... It's,
0: I mean, can you think of any other show or movie that has anything like this, that's this vivid and this drawn out and this no, and this demonstrative of no, what happens to so many head. people like that. The you?
2: only one is there's a movie with Jodie Foster years right. ago where she was raped. I forget yeah. the name of Accused. that. Accused. And that had some, that was kind of the early... Similar, yeah. Similar, but this is more nuanced. It's more...
0: It's yeah. more systemic. It's, um,
2: I'd love to see some work on... We always focus so much on the victim, and I'm glad we do now that people are getting heard. It sucks to be silenced, but we're always looking at what the victim do, what the victim say, what the victim... Where, where's the perpetrator? Why are we not looking? And we did... I guess this show did look at that a little more, but like, what's happening to create this scenario where this... Ha- right happens when people choose to do this. I
0: was it's Netflix tends to want to make season twos of yeah. popular things. And after watching this I was like, well, they're not going to make a season two. That's ridiculous. But then but then now you're saying this, if they're listening, which I'm sure they're not, <laughs> maybe that's season two. It's yeah. like um they jump to you yeah. and uh you're standing on the podium and you are at the legislature level and yeah. you're you know, becoming a standing therapist standing in
2: front of King County with signs, yeah, and, <laughs> and in front of the courthouse.
0: Um, your and or your friends, you know, that you talked about, they're in the, they're actually going to the police precincts and they're yeah. fighting the uh, denial and the culture and they're they're trying to change or say, look, we're not telling you that you're bad people. We're just saying uh, you need to understand something yeah. that you wouldn't naturally understand, and when you understand it. You'll be able to do better police work, really, yes. and catch the bad guys better. Yes. Um, and so, because that's what you want to do, right? Yeah, we're police; we want to catch the bad guys. Okay, well, let mm-hmm. us help you um, with knowledge so that you can better understand how to interview the victims, how to understand yeah. uh, the signs of lying. Yes, uh, it's this very common thing of like, uh, and I loved how they depicted that. How. Uh, Marie was very shut down, yes. and they're like, oh, that's suspicious. No, uh, flash, news flash, <laughs> uh, there's no universal way that people react to trauma. Amanda Knox, you know, that whole story of mm-hmm. just like, oh, you know, she's kissing her boyfriend. She couldn't have just been through something like that. It's like, what um, in what psychology book does there say this is the universal response to trauma? There is mm-hmm. no universal response no. to trauma.
2: And so, I think they pushed that point in the second episode with the second victim. Right. Because, because she, I honestly was like, they're trying, they're setting this up to try to make the viewers who won't right. know to believe to doubt this one. Because she kept saying things like, well, I mean, he didn't leave anything there. And the way she was acting right. initially.
0: She seemed so nonchalant.
2: Yeah, she seemed a little out of it and nonchalant, but she was like, there was... She kind of it was excusing a lot of things, right. you know, but like that maybe she
0: knew him and
2: something like yeah. I, and I, I was like, the writers are trying to make the viewers doubt this one, right? Because with Marie, we knew it happened, right?
0: Because we saw the flashbacks, and, right? You know, and and so that was brilliant because again, there's no universal reaction to right. this sort of thing, and people typically have a baseline sort of emotional state mm-hmm. that they sort of return to after trauma or they dissociate. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I like that they just, that they talked about that we haven't talked about is that they showed that rape victims aren't pretty blondes. Exactly. That necessarily they can be. But yeah. they can be someone elderly uh, women. Yeah. They can they can be anybody. Uh some uh, some rapists have a profile. Mm-hmm. But many uh, perpetrators, they don't care who it is. They just want to dominate.
2: Because it's not about sex. It's about right. power.
0: Yeah. They want to, they they get off on domination and on humiliation. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's the compulsion. It's it's uh, It has n- nothing to do with like one's sexual, regular sexual urges. You can't <laughs> translate. You can't imagine like, okay, you can't take your sexuality and sort of Push it to one side and go like, okay, that's that's what rape must be. It's this whole right. other kind of deal.
2: Yes. And
0: so uh, I liked that. Uh, what else? Did yeah, you I,
2: had some notes there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, too. It's funny you have your yeah. notes and I've got mine. I'm like, oh, what's all this stuff? Uh, if I forgot see. to put my, oh, my glasses around my head. I,
0: I like <laughs> that the acting, directing, cinematography, writing. I like that. Uh, yeah,
2: I was wanting to talk about how well that was done.
0: Yeah, it's very well acted, very well I directed. Think
2: it, it really makes the the storyline more important. And like, if yeah. it was done poorly, I think it would be harder for people to
0: yeah, like an after school special kind right. of thing. Right. Um, the other thing is that it was a feminist show in a very strong way in a very important way without it being overtly feminist if that makes yeah, any sense yep yep like you a non-feminist could watch this show and be and feel you know good about the result and and sort of like yeah. in or on board with the message without knowing they are in a feminist world right they are witnessing the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. They are cheering for the feminists, mm-hmm. whether they call themselves feminists right, or not. Right. They're cheering for the notion of recognizing the plight of the marginalized. Yeah. And they are angry at the system yeah. that is old and in place, whether we call it patriarchy or just tradition or ignorance or something. it. This is a this is a solid feminist creation.
2: Totally. And the strength that takes takes to be a woman and and work within the system to try to change it.
0: Right. Yeah. And how wonderful it felt, how like non I don't know, yeah. sort of typical. And but it
2: wasn't like I think I think it took away the man hating element. Right. I actually thought about this because um they were both married to men. Yeah. And I, I I think that was if if it's not true in real life, it was strategic. No,
0: it's true. Uh, there's some details uh, that were also true, like the detail where the first detective woman, her husband, randomly go said, actually, in my precinct, we have a similar case, and that's what tipped her to be like, wait, do we have a serial case going? And that's what caused her to start to actually oh, so broaden. Was that-
3: Special it was that random moment. detail
0: that was in real life that her husband yeah. actually mentioned, like, because the perpetrator knew mm-hmm. that, again, the police departments, he always did different precincts. And they talked about that in the show. Yeah. He knew that the police office, the precincts don't communicate with each other, yeah. which I find to just be. Mind- I got
2: worried for a hot minute that it was him. <laughs> <laughs> because they were after a police guy who knew right. the way around and well, knew the, first the police person sisters I was worried didn't about, talk to each other. And I was like, oh my God, I, don't let it be this cool husband. I like him.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, well, the first person I was worried about was the youth worker who worked in the- um,
2: Yes. Yeah, you
0: know, when he showed up, I was yes. just like, oh God, is that him? We uh,
2: really like you, Marie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: A... Um, yeah, I- I liked, the last thing I'll say that I liked, uh, which is sort of off topic, is that this is one of the very first and only sympathetic portrayals of a religious person I have seen in a yeah. ho- in a Hollywood production. Yes. Uh, and I find that to be strange that f- in a country that is majority Christian or at least half or something, that... There are so few positive depictions of Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there are reasons to uh, bring up the negative. Uh,
2: People have been hurt. By teaching it,
0: of Christianity of various different sects, Catholicism, otherwise, of notions of anti-gay, anti-trans, anti-woman, uh, blah blah blah. Uh, absolutely, sure. Uh, let's let's talk about that, but. There's plenty of fine Good stuff. people who yeah. go to evangelical Lots churches. Of
2: wonderful people in my family. Yeah, and it
0: was just so weird to see, mm-hmm. like, oh, halfway through this show, we got a woman who is our hero, who we love.
2: Yeah, and oh, she, I love her,
0: and she's just going to church.
2: I would marry her. You know what another? She's amazing. Do you know what another movie
0: <laughs> she's in that I saw her in recently that I highly recommend? No. Charlie says.
2: Oh, so Charlie says. It
0: came out last year. It's about Charles Manson.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: And she is a social worker who goes to the prison and talks to some of the women who are, um, you know, con- who have been convicted of being of murder. Oh, yeah. And she's trying to deprogram them. Oh. And she's a very similar character.
2: I love her demeanor, yeah. whatever so it is.
0: So I'd watch Charlie says because Charlie says. Okay. Uh, her character is really interesting and it's so it's great. it's actually i think the whole movie is based on her book that she wrote or something yeah um so she might be a rising star that that actress. she's
2: amazing yeah. i also liked just since we're on the liked portions yeah. i liked the examples of the parker the, poli- the, the the male detective the lead detective from the first he was the one who mm-hmm. got everything wrong it was nice to see an example of someone owning their stuff and mm-hmm. apologizing it in, in a way that was really good. You mm-hmm. know, it wasn't easy. Like when he was talking to Rasmussen, mm-hmm. the detective, like, if you're a professional I could and you're that guy, I could easily see uh the ego wanting to surface and say Hey, you know, well I didn't see anything there. It's not my fault and like there's somebody other right. somebody other person, you know, like pass it off or, or excuse yourself or justify it. But he said, you know, when I see bad guys on the force, sometimes I think, what are they doing on there? Let's just get rid of them.
0: I think I'm one of those guys.
2: Yeah, and then he's like, maybe we should get rid of me. Yeah. And the look on his face, I was just like... It was helpful. Yeah. To see someone, my detective, the one detective I had, he's the reason... He's the only one in that whole path that was so awesome, mm-hmm. you know, and I just appreciate it when I see someone being able to right. shoot straight like that.
0: Yeah, and as a writer, it would have been so much easier to oh, write yeah. him off as an evil person. Bad
2: guy. But they didn't. They humanized him, which was right. so important because yeah. I think he can be a symbol for yeah. other police officers who've made mistakes right. to be like, it's okay. You know what? We are going to make mistakes sometimes. We know yeah. that as therapists, we're going to make mistakes sometimes. As people, just we make mistakes. Like, yeah. And it's, here's the- here's do you the do something about here's it. Here's what you do. Yeah.
0: You start with humility. Yeah. Of like, I have no idea. And that was his whole thing was I have no idea how this happened.
2: Yeah. He was like, I got nothing.
0: I, I don't, I, I feel like I should have an explanation. I, I don't really have any. Yeah. um. And he's you know he's really sorry for it um and it's instead of it being a story of good versus evil, it's a story about um ignorance mm-hmm. and lack of ignorance yeah and it's a story about people uh asking for forgiveness yeah instead of holding to their ego and yeah, I thought that was a great he he is a hero of sorts of someone through by the end um became a hero mm-hmm. uh by admitting he did something wrong by being humble by being sorry by saying he was sorry yeah uh by being confused um and yeah i thought i thought I that was great i think
2: that's kind of what i would want from my rapist hmm. maybe you asked that question i don't think i ever answered it exactly that kind of like wow
0: i don't know how i don't know
2: how i did that or why
0: and i'm confused and
2: i'm confused and i'm sorry yeah
0: and i don't even know what to say
2: yeah and and then it would be so nice like my hope because i'm i don't even want to define myself as what kind of person i am but i just have this desire for him to get better you know, mm-hmm. be kind, find some peace, don't hurt anybody else. We all make mistakes. Maybe that was his first, maybe it wasn't, maybe he's done it a lot of times. But, like, if this is the only life we get, I would hope that he would find a way out of that pain, who he is or what he did. I don't even know if it's who he is, I think it's what he did, mm. you know. I want people to have a chance to be better. And I don't know if forgiveness is necessary for that. I don't know if my forgiveness is necessary for that. I don't know that I forgive them, but I do see what happened in a big structure of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, the way we look at systems, I understand that there was probably a lot more to this than the point where our paths crossed (laughs) and I, I just hope he doesn't have to suffer and I hope he doesn't his suffering doesn't spill out onto other people again you know like I really believe and I want to believe at least that people are good you know even when they are capable of bad things And I don't think if we don't give them a chance to return to that or have the hope for it, then I think they'll double down and say, yeah, all right, I surrender. I'm a criminal. Right. (laughs) And some people might.
0: Yeah, you don't want that to happen. uh -uh. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Christy.
2: Yeah, thank you. This was a lot like I didn't know what to expect. (laughs) But it means a lot to me to have a voice. It means a lot to me to talk about this show.
0: It means a lot to everyone else. It means a lot to me. Um, in the same way that people respond to Unbelievable as a uh, document yeah. of importance, uh, I'm positive people find your story and your path and your um, energy and your. Because you're, you're, you're a therapist too. A lot of people. Will write in, you know, like when Bob talks about things, mm-hmm. they'll be like, "It's great to hear Bob talk about," it, but to hear it from a therapist is like so powerful because mm-hmm. you know, he's supposed to know he's he's a you know he's a helper he's mm-hmm. and to hear him talk from a therapist's point of view about himself is like has given me the chance to have a lot of self compassion. Yeah, you are a therapist, and so the clients out there who have been, you know abused in some way
2: yeah I want them to know that's one of the other reasons I speak because I want people to know they're not alone I think we're more in that place now than we were back when I was starting activism like the Me Too movement and things as really surface stuff right. but we're not done And that we're not done but and time's up I, and I need to yeah time's up yes. and I need to like we need to like know you're not alone like I think that's why I became like over like unhealthy involved in my activism because I thought I was the only person I thought I needed to be the hero and then when I met other people who were doing the work I was like oh we can share in this burden (laughs) like I don't have to do it all by myself (laughs) but sometimes people feel they're alone out there and if anyone is listening I want you to know you're not and sucks to be a victim and Things can be different going forward, but maybe they suck right now. But yeah, you might be surprised what the future holds. Yeah, but your story matters.
0: Your story matters. And so, if you want to contact Christy, go to our website and go to the contact us page, email me, and I'll forward it to Christy. Uh, Thanks for joining us, Christy. And everyone out there, please take care of yourself because
2: you deserve it.
4: Thank